tip today in association with Slatteries of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slatteriesgarage.ie Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. That's our free phone number. It won't cost you to make a call. Emma is looking after the programme today. Coming up on the show, ugly protests at government buildings. Should we be worried about the state of our democracy in light of the protests? Uh, Cashel Roadworks uh, causing some major concern. We were speaking to uh, Tom Wood about that. Um, The Social Democrats attempted to hold a meeting on water uh, in uh, Tipperary last night. We'll be speaking to a representative, uh, Muriel Cuddy, of uh, Marito 8020 with our health slot. We have a taste of this week's Down Your Way and some farming news as well. So all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text and WhatsApp 083 You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Let's have a look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. Uh, both the Irish Examiner and the Irish Times dominated by a photograph um, from the ploughing championships yesterday. Competitors looking to break the world record for welly throwing on the second day of the championships in Rathaniska. And, uh, yeah, they're great photographs. Uh, In fact, I think it's more or less the very same photograph dominating both newspapers. The Irish Examiner, uh, with that story of the father of a child who died after spinal surgery at Temple Street Hospital, has said his family is broken by the loss of their beloved uh, daughter. And also um, coverage of that siege as the Doyle at the Doyle yesterday as protesters uh, erected a mock gallows there. And uh, that story, and indeed the story of uh, the child with spina bifida having surgery 34 times at CHI Hospital, uh, dominating the front of the Irish Times today as well. They're also telling us that up to 30 care homes could face criminal investigation depending on the results of a Garda inquiry into the death of a woman in a residential home during the COVID-19 pandemic in 2021. The Irish Independent and their headline, a ban on disposable vapes and crackdown on flavours. And seemingly disposable vapes will be banned as part of a further crackdown on e-cigarettes, including curbs on advertising and child-friendly flavours. Uh, the Irish Daily Mail is looking to RTE for their lead story, and uh, they're telling us that RTE caved into demands from Ryan Tuberty's agent, Noel Kelly, in pay talks after being told the presenter would not contemplate any reduction of his wage. So let's look at what's making headlines today. If you want to make comment on any of that, we'd be glad to hear from you. As I say again, 083 311 for your text and WhatsApp. Now, there were savage scenes outside of the Doyle yesterday as protesters gathered. The situation got so bad that TDs and staff were essentially trapped for hours. In footage that was trending online, the TD, Michael Healy Ray, was verbally assaulted. He was jostled by protesters and his assistant had her phone taken. Here's some audio from what has been described as a very ugly protest. Yeah, 
And so it goes on. I'm glad to be joined now by Tipperary uh, Sinn Féin, I beg your pardon, by Carrie Kinshore, Sinn Féin Councillor uh, Davy Dunn. Good morning to you, Davy. Morning, Frank. Good morning uh, to listeners. And good to talk to you today, Davy. Um, you're not sort of uh, adverse to protest yourself, but when you saw what went on yesterday, Davy, what, what did you make of that? Uh, look, first of all, I'd like to say everybody has the right to protest. And as you were rightly correct, yeah, I've been involved in a lot of protests. I've been at the goal. Um, with the St. Bridges Action Campaign. I've been at the Dáil, the anti-war campaigns. I've been at the Dáil loads of times protesting. Um, but yesterday, it crossed the line. Um, for me, it crossed the line. Um, the nooses, uh, the effigies of, 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 of people, the posters from government TDs, the opposition TDs, you know, it just went across that line that you shouldn't cross. Um, but I think we're... T- we're talking about these protests, and rightly so, but we should be talking about the, the spinal surgery that wasn't done, being done properly, uh, that we're hearing about in the media this morning and yesterday. And that's what we should be talking about. And I think the majority of people want to talk about that. But listen, we need to understand what's driving these people, and we need to understand uh, where the anger is coming, and we need to deal with it. Because just saying uh, these people are wrong, and they need to stop. It's not going to make it stop. Um, we need to we need to look into it. Uh, I think it all stems. A lot of it stems from COVID. Um, there was a lot of built up anger <clears throat> around COVID and around uh, people sitting at home reading stuff online about these conspiracy theories and about is the vaccination good? Is the vaccination bad? And it all then moved into this um, genderification war that's going on at the moment. Uh, the LGBT rights, it also then manipulated into uh, the, the attacking the most vulnerable, uh, the migrants that are, are, are having to flee their country through war and, and famine. And, and, and it's all been rolled into a, a big ball that they don't seem to know uh, where they're going. They don't know, mm. are they for anything? They seem to be against everything, against everybody. And um, I just like, I like to appeal to all politicians be very careful of their language and very careful of who they associate with. What, what do you mean by that? Be careful of who they associate with. What, what, what does that mean? If you, if, if you, if people, I think what I think is is what's sickening me is that vulnerable people are being manipulated by the so-called far right, and they're using the old tactic of punch down. And if we give any sucker or any uh, airtime to the leaders of these uh, so-called groups. Um, we're just putting more vulnerable people in in the line of fire because it wasn't the leaders or the so-called leaders of these groups that were there in the door. It was working class poor people that are being manipulated into thinking that, that they are right and what they're saying is right. And it is, as as someone said on the news, bull, a threat to our democracy. We need. Yeah, I was going. I was going to ask people. you about that. W- would you go so far as to say what you saw yesterday is a threat to democracy? Well, it can be. It, it, it can spill over. Like It spilled over yesterday. Mm. It crossed the line. There was, there was politicians attacked. There were hits. I mean, it wasn't. It was more than one politician. There was a phone stolen. A, a girl on her first day of work yes. had her phone stolen. You know what I mean? It, 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 we CDs couldn't enter the door to do what they were elected to do to represent the people. They were uh, 
couldn't get back out of it at all. So, yes, it, it, it is, um, and it can be a threat to democracy. But I just ask, and, and, and look, these shows, and your show especially, gives airtime to everybody, and you have people on with different opinions, and there will be people with different opinions to me uh, on what I'm saying now, and they have a right to airtime, and they have a right to free speech. But you don't have a right to say you're going to hang someone because you, you don't like what they're saying. You know what I mean? I disagree with, with Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil and uh, to the cows come home. But I will not uh, uh, disrespect people and, and I will not say that they, they should be hung. You know what I mean? That's just not right. And and I think majority of people in Ireland will agree that that's not right. But let's get into finding out what's driving this mm. because it's a small number of people. It's about two, 300 people, they said, were at the protest. But they're, they're very vocal and they're very resilient. They're out. Yeah, and from, from what I could gather, from what I sort of heard from the shouting there was, you know, immigration, as you say, COVID-19 vaccines, transgender rights, sex education in schools and the proposed hate speech laws as well. Um, it seemed to be sort of an amalgamation of of all of that, but is it indicative of a, a kind of a general discontent that's out there, Davy? But there's always been a discontent, but it never, it has never been as vocal as this. Look at the turnouts in most general elections: sixty percent, seventy-five percent. So there's a population out there that don't uh, buy into the political system, that don't exercise their their, mm. their, their right to vote. Um, in local elections, they can drop down as far as, as, as just over fifty percent. So that's only one in two people that are participating in the democratic process. So, you know what I mean? Like, you elect mm. uh, councillors, you elect TDs, senators to a certain degree. Um, they to do a, to work on your behalf, and they have to work on your behalf. And that's how the system works. And look, the system served us fairly well. Do we get everything right? No. Have the government got? I'll mm. be the first on your shows, and you have left me on many a time to criticise the government, and the government spokespeople come on and they'll criticise the opposition and vice versa. And hopefully we're all in the spirit mm. of doing the right thing for the country but, and doing the right thing. But what thing I can't understand, Davey, is if you take Michael Healy-Ray, and he seemed to almost come out uh, worse than anybody else. But, I mean, Michael Healy-Ray on this programme, and God knows on every other programme as well, he would have spoken about immigration, for example. He would have had issues around sex education in schools. He certainly had issues about the hate speech laws. And he spoke to us in the past about transgender issues as well. But this is what these people were protesting. I, I just don't understand, or maybe they don't understand, really, what they were and protesting. I think, you, I think you've hit the nail on the head. As I said, the vulnerable people have been misguided. And, and, and like if they knew anything at all... Why would you pick uh, Mr. Ray? Um, you know what I mean? Like, I have my, I would not believe, I don't have any time for the Healy Rays, right? I understand they're democratically elected, they get a very a big mandate, but they're parish pump politics, as far as me, and they're, they say stuff, uh, they say the right things to get elected. You, you, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that he deliberately went out there to, to get publicity, but a, you know what I mean? There, there was people questioning that fact. There was no other. There was a very few other TDs unless they had well, to try he, to get in. He there. looked fairly shaken to me, Davy. In fairness, well, he, you know. He, well, when you were getting punched from the back and 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 and, and kicked, and utmost respect for the guardie who fired into the situation yesterday, and some of them are only new recruits, so they kudos to them how they dealt with the situation. And there was thirteen arrests, mm. and and a lot of these video clips that we watch online, the context of, of the video is hard to 
You know, you don't know what happened before. You don't know what happened after. You're seeing someone being dragged away and put into handcuffs. You don't know what they have said. You don't know what they have done. You know what I mean? So it, it, people are looking at this and they're saying, I, I saw comments um, that, oh, you told us not to go outside politicians' house. You told us to go to protest at the Leinster House. Now we're at the Leinster House and you won't let us protest. So you can see the way things can be turned and manipulated. Um, you know, but it's not good. It's not good, and I think we need to educate these people. We need to not educate them in, in that saying that they, they're, they're stupid or anything like that. Nobody's stupid. Everyone has different opinions. But we need to sit down and we need to discuss things, and we need to sort it out in, in, a, in a democratic way. You know what I mean? Like, talking, jaw jaw is better than war war, as they say. You know what I mean? So we don't need to be having war on the streets. What we need to do is we need to discuss these issues. And, yeah, look, you won't agree with uh, the, some of the hate speech stuff. I wouldn't be uh, uh, great. I uh, wouldn't be a fully supportive of, of uh, some of that things, right? But uh, there's ways. If you support an organisation, put in uh, motions and, and work your way through the system, and eventually you get there. And you can bring a protest. There was, there was genuine people protesting You, you do, Davy, but, but you see... If people feel disenfranchised and, you know, I mean, if you look at the images and the effigies uh, yesterday, including your own Mary Lou MacDonald, um, it was yeah. right across the board in terms of politics. So they don't feel that they belong to any political party. No, because they were calling everybody traitors. Yes. And they're, they're saying they're patriots and they're saying they're far Ireland, Ireland for the and Irish and all of that. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it was a big banner there, yeah. And, you know, Ireland first and the National Party and, and all this kind of stuff. But, like, history will teach us. We've been down this road before and we don't want to go down this road again. You know what I mean? So, like, as I said, I'm not condemning... I, I'm, I condemn what happened yesterday. It was disgusting, it was vile, and mm. especially the effigies of the TDs from all parties and the, 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 the hangman's news. And when that you say when you say we've line. been down this road before, Davy, what what are you pointing well, to? You know, we don't have to go back to the World War Two. You know what I mean? To see how, how how people can be manipulated into into following an, an ideology. Yes. In, in, uh, but in, in fairness to Ireland, I mean, the right really has never got a, a grip here at all. It, it it all depends on what term you, you use, and I don't like using terms. I, I, I think I said this on your show before. I was, I would class myself as on the left, right? Mm. I would class myself as a socialist, right? Now, and the younger man, I was a strong, very, very strong socialist. Mm. And I, 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 some people would say I was nearly bordering on communism, right? Mm. But as I got older, my views have slightly changed. I mean, I'm still about distribution of the wealth and, and, and a rising tide should lift all boats and you should leave no one behind. Right? That's just common decency. But if you start pitting one side against the other, like I thought if we had a right-left divide like we had in England, mm. as in the Labour Party were meant to be the left and the Tories were meant to be the right, and uh, we it, it, we get a, a better form of democracy than we have in, in, in Ireland because we had two like-minded parties in Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil, and they were mm. pretending to be the, the opposite to one another, which, which now we know yeah, they're but not. You, you, you know the criticism recently of your party is that you're moving... So so close to the centre now that, that yeah, you know. But, yeah, I understand that, and I'd be one of the most uh, vocal critics of my party within the party structures, as in that we need to stay to our core to our core principles. Mm. So I have, but I, I can do that because I'm a member of the party, I'm a councillor, and I have a voice within the party and the party structures, and I can voice that. And those and those opinions are are being heard. But mm. if you're shouting from the outside, you're you're right. you're shouting in a, in, in a vacuum. 
You know what I mean? Because no one is listening to you. And if you cross the line, definitely no one is. Right, you got publicity yesterday. But was it the publicity that they wanted? Uh, David, you know can, I mean? so, can I ask you finally, um, have you a fear that because of what happened yesterday, there might be such a clampdown on protesting in general now that, you know, ordinary decent people who want to go out and protest now uh, might be able to do so in the future? That, look, the world of charge protest got hot and heavy at, at times, right? And at times, it, it, it went to the line, um, the, the protests went to the line, right? And I was involved in those protests, and it was hard to try to keep uh, people on side on, on the the Ishka Aaron or the people that were working on behalf of Ishka, they were doing a bit of antagonism. There were some people on the other side doing a bit of antagonism. And, and, and it was hard to try to keep that line, keep that peace between, you know what I mean? Because you didn't want the things to spill out of control because mm. it turns it away... close at times, people. God knows, yeah. Yeah, it, does, it yeah. is, yeah. But look, it turns away ordinary decent people from, from, from turning up. And, 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 and sometimes they, you'll often hear the word um, plants... There's plants in the crowd, mm. you know what I mean? They're there, to, the agitators, they call them. They're there to stir up trouble to, 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 so the protests are, are become ugly and therefore then ordinary people don't get involved in it. So I would always say protest has to be, it's, it's, best, it's, it's democracy at work. You're protesting against something, you do it in the right way and you do it, and you bring people with you and you, you allow people to protest. Everybody has a right All to right. protest. Those people had a right to protest yesterday, but they crossed the line and they should and they shouldn't do it again. And they, we need to have a discussion about these people. Let's discuss the issues of migration. Let's discuss the issues of transgender. But shouting down at you because you have an opinion and shouting down at me because of opinion is not going to help us. All and right. putting poor people against poor people never works. But remember, I just said to people, like, don't get over carried away because a lot of this is distraction. There's a lot of big issues going on within the cost of living, diesel is on the rise, spinal surgery, all that, mm. uh, the battle yeah. in the HSC. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about all of that as well, Davy. but when there's, you know, what's seen by a lot of people as a threat to your democracy, that that kind of, you know, that's well up there. Yeah, on the no, list no, of, look, it's, it's, yeah. it's serious stuff, Fran, and I yeah. know there's, there's a new allowance out for councillors for to spend up to 5000 and to get two and a half back on security. Mm. I can guarantee you I won't be safe with that. Well, I don't not. feel under any. I, I don't feel under any threat from anybody, mm. and, and and so it, let's not overcook the the cake right. here. You know what I mean? We, All right, Debbie. It's never happened before. Uh, uh, look, and I know people are trying to say what happened in England could happen here. Um, of course, one deranged person could do something terrible, but. Um, if we discuss these things out, hammer these issues out, and be careful of our language, be careful of who we associate with, uh, and giving legitimacy to people that uh, don't have legitimate cause, right. that's what we have to be careful. Davy, thank, thank you, for, thank you for your time this morning, Davy. Thank you. Good morning to you. That is caricature, Sinn Fein councillor Davy Don't speaking to us there. We'll take a break. Back with more in just a moment. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Yeah, some uh, reaction to our discussion there with uh, David Dunn. Uh, Mick onto us from Clan Mills to say no democracy can tolerate what went on at Doyle Aaron yesterday. No government can allow far-right lunatics to prosper in their views or actions which pose a threat to a properly constituted assembly. That's from Mick 
in Clanmill today. Um, somebody else saying, um, Fran, people are angry over the state of our country due to poverty, housing, health, one scandal after another, all at the hands of those who are running the country. We need to protest, but with dignity. Um, let's talk to a gentleman who's a very frequent contributor to our programme. Uh, Joe Lee is, um, among other things, a security consultant, indeed former councillor as well. Joe, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. And thanks for your time this morning. Uh, Joe, can I... Uh, I'll leave aside the security for just a moment, but as a former politician and somebody who keeps a tight eye on what's happening politically, what did you make of yesterday, Joe? Oh, yeah, it was an absolute disgrace, Fran, and it was... Um a bunch of hooligans, nothing further can be said about it in relation to who they were. Um, it's grand to say that they had this and they had that, or they were fighting some cause or arguing some protest. That is no way to protest. None in the wider the world. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, who, where, where, where did that emerge? What we saw yesterday, Joe, where did that emerge from? I think, Fran, I think that there's there are people out there and has been proven in the last number of years as well. We've had one or two individuals without naming names and they were protesting against this and that and they wouldn't move out of here and they weren't obeying guard instructions and they were arrested and taken to court and fined down through the past number of years and I won't name names. Mm. But that has happened now this time around. It's the first day back in the doll and there was this, uh, you know, mob of uh, 200 people. And it goes a lot further like than your previous speaker has said, in my opinion. You know, there was um, people, you know, there was reports have said, I wasn't there, so reports have said that there was um, bottles of urine like fired yes. at people. Now, yeah. that didn't just happen overnight. That was organised. They were no deranged people that did that. The two people that were arrested and charged were 45 and 48 years of age. Like, like they're not uh, teenagers that are gone after the, the rails. These, this is well organised. Well, it was an attack on democracy. It's an absolute disgrace and it shouldn't be allowed to happen. Now, having said that, mm. I am all for, you know, your protest. Everyone has a right to protest. We had a very successful one here in Clamel a good number of years ago about the hospital. Yeah. Uh, massive crowd attended and we succeeded in the aims uh, of what it set out for. And, and that's all fine and well. You had the farmers there um, last week. There, They were in the Arson Jockey. They were up in Limerick. They were at different things. You have all these things going on. Fine, not a problem. Uh, that's what a democracy should be. You should be entitled to your free speech. But when it comes to an attack, the veracity of what went on yesterday, the way it went on, 13 people charged, uh, arrested, I should say, two people charged. And you see politicians, elected representatives, held hostage. They were held hostage, like, whether we like it or not. Now, people won't want to say that. But when you're inside, if you're inside in your building in Tip FM and you can't get out, that is held you're, hostage. You're a hostage, yeah. And, and and the fact it was government buildings as well made it all very profound because it, you couldn't help but see shades of January 6th there in some way, Joe. Uh, spot on. You're you're absolutely right. And it, we have to... We, I said this, uh, Fran, a, a number of years ago. That we have to nail this... We have to put nail this on the head. We have to stop this. And where the, that is banning protests within a certain range or something, mm. you have to do something. Because I've said it several times, you know, a phrase I often use, like, every problem, like, there's a solution. Now, every solution brings another problem. And if you ban protests within some area or some, you know, within, say, a mile of the doll or something like mm. that, you'll have politicians jumping up and down and say, that's not free speech and that's not freedom and that's not... But you cannot allow to 
what happened yesterday to go on and it should never again be allowed to happen. And uh, again, with your security consultancy hat on you, is that how you would deal with that? Would you put a cordon of a mile around around government well, buildings? Would, yeah. I think what will have to happen, Fran, no doubt it's, it's underway already. Yeah. I have no doubt. Like, is that there'll be a risk assessment carried out? Um, <clears throat> excuse me, Fran. Within, within, you know, the four walls of, of the doll and outside it as well, and I think they'll have to say, like, right, you know, what happened here, what went on here, whatever else. And then I think you take it from there. You know, and we have these these far right, you know, they did protest at individuals' houses. They did go here. We had it in, not too far away from, you know, Clamel was, was junior minister, like mm-hmm. people driving up and down past the houses. We had all this thing going on. And when you have this type of carry on going on, like, you know, everybody is egging on somebody else. The adrenaline is getting higher, and whatever you do, I need to do something more profound. Are, are, are you refer, are you referencing the caricature protest there for St. Bridget's and uh, Minister Murphy's house? Is that is yeah, that, yeah. Mary Butler's house? Yeah, Mary, absolutely. I beg your pardon, Mary Butler's you're house. You're fine. Yeah, yeah Mary yeah. Butler's house. Like things, things step up, things step up, things step up, and then it's then they're gone to a certain stage. Now everybody's the right to protest. No mm. problem. Mm. They have a right to protest. Their aims should be what they're at. They should try and achieve, but they should be peaceful. And you, you have to leave people like the dignity of their own homes. You have to leave the people that, that like, go to work. You still protest. There was water protest. There was hospital protest. There was farming protest. There was none that they achieved mm. what they were set out to achieve. But there was none that didn't go to the level that went yesterday. Mm. Some, yesterday, some like, of them came fairly that. close, though, Joe. You know? <laughs> I did, Fran, but, but yesterday was a different ballgame. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Um, excuse me, Fran, sorry. Yeah, no, no problem, Joe. Yesterday, Fran, yesterday, Fran went... Um, to the attack on all elected politicians right across every global divide that was there. Mm. You know, there was nobody, like, there was a whole attack on democracy. And, mm. you know, there's no point in saying, you know, that was about, um, and everyone had their views, but there's no point in saying that was about one aspect or another aspect of mm. life or refugees or COVID. Because if it was, then they wouldn't have attacked, our, you know, the people that were against all these in the first place. Um this was a, just an attack on democracy at all. Yes. End of story. And w- you would not see it then, I guess, as a group of people who feel disenfranchised, they don't have a voice uh, because there was cross-party critique here. Um, w- would you see it at all as that? That you know? No, no, no. I would not, friend. I wouldn't see it as that because if if it was. If you want to protest, you can organise the protest. Like any number of us, any one of us, like, you, like one individual can protest. Never mind, mm. you know, you don't need it. You don't need 200 people to protest. You can go along and you can do your protest. It can be in a dignified way. And you can engage then in consultation, which is the best way to resolve anything, you know, is to engage that way. You'll never get, get it by just hooliganism. And what yesterday was was just pure, utter hooliganism. Nothing more and nothing less. Right. And you would have no problem with putting in measures there from a security point of view and uh, making so sure think, this doesn't think, happen again. Well, you see, Fran, you know, it was in 19... Or it was in 1916, I nearly said there. It was in 2016 that Joe Cox, uh, you know, tragically, yeah. you know, got killed in England. Yeah. How far away are we from, the, from that? Like, how far away are you, like, from, you know, somebody pushing and shoving you, you know, like a politician coming out, somebody pushing and shoving you from sticking a knife in your back or in your side and all of a sudden, you know... Like, this this can happen in a split second, you know, and everybody can't be minded. Like, you know, if you have 300 people there, you need 300 security people, you need two for every one of them. You can't have 600 guards just tied up in a protest. How do you know next week that there won't be 2,000 there? 
You know, so it needs to be curtailed. It needs to be stopped. And you need to take fair action. Because the other side of it then, when you look at it, there'll be people ringing you in today and saying, lock them up, lock them up. There's no place to lock them up. Yeah. Every, jail in, every jail in the country, not alone is it full, it's overcrowded. And you have another organisation then that'll be saying, oh, they shouldn't be overcrowded. What about their rights and what about this? The rights, these people yesterday, Fran, they seem to think that they have all the rights. They seem to think that they can do what they like, when they like, to who they like. They have to realise like that we do live in a democracy. The system we have is the system we have. It's not always right, but it works reasonably well. We don't agree with everything. None of us do, but it works reasonably well. And I think, yeah. I think that yesterday was a step way, way too far. And I think you need to take action, firm action should be taken. All right, uh, Joe, thanks so much for taking our call this morning. Thank you. Good morning to you, Joe. And that's our good friend, Joe Leahy, speaking to me there. And let's go to one of our listeners now, to Frank. Frank, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Um, what so, about your thoughts on what went on yesterday, Frank? Well, my thoughts are, it's about time you got a bit of their own medicine. I'm here in a street in Nina, and we're, we're attacked over four nights every week. It's absolutely disgrace. We've had three, four stabbings in the last couple of months. We've cars crashed, overturned on the street, windows smashed in cars, banging on the door. I've got to get a second door in my house now. Get replaced. And uh, the perpetrators, it, what? Young people gone rogue? What? What, what is it, Frank? They, they, they go to the pubs. They go. Particularly, if all I need on this street, I've asked the council, I've asked the guardian for it all, is I need two premises sorted out, and I need seven uh, speed traps on, on the ramps on this street. They run up and down the street all weekend at 110 kilometres an hour, and I believe me, they're even going faster. It's, it's, nobody seems to do anything about it. We, we with the guards. I asked the guard one day, he said, what's going to happen? He said, yeah, we know go where he says yes. Wow. That was his words. And your now, quality we, of life then, Frank? We have no... The only quality of life we have a night's sleep is that it rains. Now, myself and my wife were here having, when it was all over four o'clock in the morning, we were having a half, a half four, having a cup of tea and a slice of toast. The people across the road were late age and they were terrified. And the girl next door was 32. I told them they should rang me and come in to me or I go over to them. I, I, I ran across one night through all that. They were up in the cars the other night. They were jumping on the cars, going by. They were stopping people in the cars. They were pulling them out of the cars. And the cars tried to reverse to get out of the way and they rode it. They stopped them from doing that. And Frank, so why, why, why aren't we hearing more about this? I mean, you know, I, I've, we, no, I've dealt we, with we some did. issues about, so, uh, you know, antisocial behaviour, Nina, but I, that those stories are incredible. Absolutely. You come down here to the street and tell us the people about it. Like, the reason why you don't get it is that we don't go down and start throwing bottles and all this, that, and the other. We go down to try and do it the proper way. We, we've gone to the Gardaí. We've gone to the, the councils. And nothing they've done about it. And as one guard has said, it's no go area. I said, okay. You know, you see, you're talking about guards. We have plenty of guards. We don't need any more. If you get a police dog, it's worth 16 police. You have a guard walking down there with a police dog, German Shepherd, and if there's any trouble, you let it off. And my friend the other day, two week last week, was attacked at 3 o'clock in the afternoon in the street. Her handbag taken off her. She was beaten with a handbag, and they ran off. My God. Left her bloodied. And she went down to the police station and brought in to know about it. What can we do? They're the very words. What can we do? 
Now, this, well, this well speech, I'm sure uh, they would. they not have followed that up with an investigation, Frank? Nothing, no, not. I asked this girl there last week, I asked her the other day, and she said no, nothing. And, and did anybody get back to her? And Nobody came back to her, nothing. Even when we went down to protest, nobody came back to us. But she was assaulted, you know. She, she was assaulted, not the first one. Another guy was assaulted with his girlfriend in the car park at half three. Stabbed, he lost his, well, I believe he didn't lose his eye, but I thought he did. But he's still in hospital. And and the tie-up with yesterday, are you, are you saying you push people to a certain point? Is that it? it? Uh... Yeah, that's what's happening. People are just getting to that stage. I mean, it, today, t- they'll have sorted out the problem in the doll, but they haven't sorted out a problem here and don't go out and know anything about it. But there comes a time that we have to... I'm compiling a letter at the moment for the last week, phrasing it as stuff at four pages now, but I want to reduce it down to one at least, condense it. Uh, for help. And is it a case that, uh, and I mean, I know that you wouldn't in the least condone what went on where Michael Healy Ray was concerned, but is it a case when it happens to politicians, it's all over the newspapers, but ordinary people Uh, are suffering in this way constantly? All the time. Yeah, we don't sleep here at the weekends. Uh, We tried moving rooms around, but it didn't make any difference. Uh, A sustained attack, it's constantly all the time. And it's not the people on the street, it's the people coming into the street that causes the problem. The street's very quiet. You probably know the street. I do. And it's a long way out of the town, straight up, and the cars come out there very fast. Horrendous cars. You want to see them. And the, these noisy exhaust, the low suspensions, and really, they don't come up. Right. And no. will, will you and your neighbours, will you protest, Frank, at this point? Well, we, we, we talked about it, and they've come to me about it, and we said, look, uh, we want to go the legal road on this. Like, well, where, we tried all that, but where do we go from here? There's no help. The guard told over no area. Well, that might have been a comment from from one guard now. Well, I take it. I, I'm sure it's not the policy of the guardie, Frank. Well, to, let's put it this way: yeah. what's happening on the street seems to be the policy. Okay, and that's your it's experience. Yeah. Yeah, it's not happening anywhere else. You know. So. Yeah. I, I have no answer to it. It just goes on. And come the long weekends, it's totally a war. It's and, a war zone. And tell me this, Frank, I mean, you know, next year we have local elections, we have European elections, and at some stage or other we'll have a general election as well. What are public representatives saying to you about this? I've gone to them to say, oh, they, they just give you a, a line, like, you know, and that's the end of it. As soon as you're gone, it's thrown the bin. That's the way I see it, because nothing's ever become of all these things we went down to see them about protests, like I went down to one particular place there about a month ago about this and it threw me out. And that was a thing, that was a, that was a, uh, Yeah, well, you need to be specific to me, but you, you, yeah, you weren't made welcome, is that, is that what you're saying? That's what I was told, told it was this. But I said, I've got a problem, I can't sleep at night. I'm under siege four nights a week. My wife can't sleep, my daughters were here and they were terrified and they were all screaming. You know, there's people just down for me the same way. I, I, I can't imagine what it's like to live like that. It's absolutely awful. So the TD's got a bit of a taste of it yesterday. The problem with that is they can sort it out straight at the room at the moment. They'll have extra guardy and all that there. We just want one guard with dog, but that's it. He'll tear the 
All right. Frank, we'll we'll follow up on this. We'll we'll follow up more yeah. on this and we'll try and get some answers yeah. where that is concerned right. if that's okay because nobody should be living like that. I mean it just Well that's what it is. You you should come down on the street here and do an interview with all the people along the street and they'll tell you what it's like. Okay, well I'll I'll take you up on that and we will do that. Uh, Frank, yeah. thank you thank you for your time this morning and I wish oh, you well, okay. Frank. Thank you. Uh, okay. Thank, thank you very much. You know. Um that's incredible, isn't it? Eighteen hundred nine three eight double O seven. Now Councillor David Dunn was on to say for the record uh, Joe Leahy is incorrect. We did not drive by the Minister's house when we were protesting about the very wrong decision to close the wonderful St. Bridges Hospital. And um, it's saying here he should withdraw uh, the comment. Now, I know there was a lot of time. I can't remember the exact detail, Davy, but there was an issue, all right, about driving by our house, and she took uh, exception to it. And I know that the route was changed there at that time uh, as well. Uh, all right, let me take a break. We'll be right back to you in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now, Dr. Connor Reedy is no stranger to this uh, show. He's a member of Nina Needs It's A&E and part of the Midwest Hospital campaign and he joins me now. Connor, good morning to you. Hello, Fran. How are you? You you were tweeting last night, uh, Connor, about this, and you, you sort of give it both barrels, really. You des- describe <laughs> these people as excuses for human beings, Connor. Yeah. Um, really, you know, Fran, for generations, the public space outside of the railings of Leinster House has been a site of protest. Mm, yeah. Large scale, small scale, loud, angry, but meaningful protest. And it's everyone from farmers, which we saw at the Thinkins recently, um, pro-abortion, anti-abortion, health groups like ourselves in the Midwest campaign, same-sex marriage, uh, women's rights, LGBTQ rights, water protests, on and on for decades. Um, and even my own mother marched on Leinster House once upon a time she she when we when we lived in Kildare, and they were they were they were the, the village where we lived. We were looking for uh, better schools and got them. Um, protest is good, and it must be made clear that the day we do anything to challenge our right to protest in this, you know, attempt at a democratic society that we have in this part of the world, the day we do anything to challenge that is the day we become North Korea. Or Putin's Russia, so we we must never um, dilute or challenge or or take away so what those do rights you to do? protest. What do you do then in terms of security? Of I mean, politicians are human beings; they have to be looked after, they have to be protected, Connor. So, what do you do? Well, I mean, first of all, I would say um, that uh, there are things that weren't done yesterday. Okay, in advance. Uh, Michael Healy Ray was the very high profile target yesterday, and he was probably unlucky because he was the one to walk out the gate at the wrong moment when maybe it was at its most frenzied. And make no mistake about it, that video represents a potentially very dangerous moment in our democracy, as far as I'm concerned. And I'm going to be very blunt here, Fran. If those Gardaí were not present on that walk to safety, that, that that he had, or if the mob had taken an even worse turn than they did, then we would have been dealing with the spectacle this morning of a sitting TD of our National Parliament in intensive care. You really believe, you believe it was that I, serious, Connor? Yeah. I really believe it was that. The anger in them, the 
visceral yeah, yeah, anger. Yeah. It was it was whipped up. And it was apparently well known, Fran, that yesterday's events were flagged in advance. Yes. That yeah. Garda Intelligence would have known that. What measures did the Garda Commissioner put in place for this? Apparently none. Because a long time ago he was he very clearly adopted a hands off approach when it comes to far right violence and he made that known and he made that clear. Believe me, Fran if Michael Healy Ray was very seriously assaulted or killed yesterday, God forbid, this morning we'd probably see Drew Harris's resignation on Helen McEntee's desk and we'd probably see Helen McEntee's resignation on Leo Veradford's desk. Do we have to wait for our Joe Cox moment but, or our Veronica Geer moment and then the, Do you see anything in the commissioner's way of dealing with things? I mean, you have to be very careful. You see, if you're seen to, you know, walk in with, with all guns blazing um, and, and all of that that can be used as well you'll create martyrdom then Connor and you have to be very careful of that too have you not you do but I think that the defences were very low the the, the defences uh, against what potentially could rise so uh, as Joe was saying earlier you know and, and he would know more about this than me I'm certain that there are ways to organise and to police protest even large-scale protests where a threat might be present and where there may be uh, an under an undercurrent, a potential undercurrent of violence. There will be tactics and there will be ways to police such a thing from a policing point of view that you don't actually need to have all guns blazing unless something rises. And then if something rises, uh, as, yes. as happened yesterday afternoon, then you are there to meet it. In other words, you don't have to, to, from a policing point of view, go all guns blazing, but you have to be present in large numbers. And apparently, um, well, well, from mm. not apparently, from the, the sight of our own eyes, if 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 our if our public representatives um, and get get locked inside the building, get locked down inside the building, then then we have a we have a question to ask mm. the Garda Commissioner. And uh, was I overstating it to say that there was shades of January 6th here? Uh, I mean, I mean, it was maybe a remote possibility, but there was a possibility of Leinster House being overrun. You're not overstating it one bit for, for me, Fran. Um, the tactics are straight out of Trump world. Let's face it, this is MAGA 101. People like Steve Bannon or Steve Miller or even Alex Jones and so forth, they're all heroes to the leaders of this movement in Ireland. And they inspire them. And the Irish far-right leaders are clever enough to look west to the US far-right and see their causes and their tactics and to adjust and apply them here. Now, for goodness sake, the gallows idea yesterday, that's a direct import from the 6th of January 2021. We may call the leaders of this movement thugs and scumbags, okay? But I truly believe we underestimate them at our peril, Bran. We really do. What do you mean by that, Connor? Because I think they have the capacity uh, to whip up a frenzy. Let's look at it this way. The foot soldiers that we saw attacking Michael Healy Ray yesterday and whoever else was there, I believe there was a Sinn Féin TD um, from Cork um, harassed very badly as well. Um, the foot soldiers viewing this hatred yesterday that we see in the videos, they're not actually the leaders of this movement. They're essentially the muscle for the people who are much smarter, much more intelligent and much more sinister. And they're also the ones who are willing to go over the line and get arrested for this cause. But essentially, um, they've always been the ones who have been mm. ripe for exploitation. 
Yes, um, not but, but are, are they people then, Connor? who feel disenfranchised. I mean, it was right across the political divide yesterday, so they feel that they have no real representation in in our government. And should that be taken into account as well when we're looking? That there's a whole bunch of people that would feel like that. Um, I, I, I don't accept that that's their way to go. There are thousands, tens and thousands of people across this country who are feeling disenfranchised in many ways. And that's not good enough either, by the way. And that, you know, that we yes. have a lot of inequity and inequality across the country. Um, and I hate to say this, but, you know, you have to be you have to be capable of understanding the issues, teasing out the issues. Look what we're doing in the Midwest. Look what we raised in the streets of Limerick uh, in in mm. January last. Mm. 11,000 people in the streets yes. of Limerick. And, and in, there was anger there, Connor. And there, there was, was there was anger there, and that's yes. what I said at the start, Fran. Yeah. Protest is good. Angry protest is good, but it never needs to cross the line. We had people. Our 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 um, protest. Thousands of people, as I say, marched up O'Connell Street and took off to the the the, the right, the left, not the right. I don't know my left, my right. Mm. Took off to the right on one of the side streets and back down to Arthur's Key Park. Yeah. We had people. Uh, we had people on the streets and the, who didn't join the protest cheering us. We had Gardaí applauding us mm. on the streets of Limerick, Fran. Now, I won't name names, but there there are politicians inside Leinster House who were very quickly coming out yesterday evening to criticise what happened. But they too have a long history of quietly inspiring these people. And there are some questions to be answered there, and I'm looking towards the Shannon on that score. And um, so, you know, there, there's, there's plenty of blame, but this thing of being people dis, being disenfranchised. Um, the leaders of these these hate movements, and I mean, like, the, the national media do need to step up and call this for what it is. RTE last night um, was so tame in naming what this was. This this was far-right protest inspired by far-right individuals, you know. Yeah, and uh, but uh, the point I made, to, I can't remember, was it Davey or Joe? I think it was Davey. Um, that particularly with the spotlight being on Michael Healy Ray, as you know, Connor, on this show, um, Michael would have spoken out about you know vaccination, immigration, transgender, sex education. He would have spoken out about all of those issues. So were pe- were the crowd kind of ignorant about who was who as well? And I oh oh God, I think so. Yeah, very very much. Um, and I think part of part of what I saw, I don't know how true this this is, that one of his properties in Kerry at the moment is being used for um, to house Ukrainian yes, refugees, yeah. people fleeing for more. So, um, and I think that was part of what they used against him yesterday. But there is an ignorance there, Fran. Mm. And that's what I come back to with that. Unfortunately, some of the foot soldiers, some of the ones on the ground, uh, you know, throwing, spewing the hateful language and, and ready to throw punches if necessary, um, they, they just may not have, I'm sorry to say this, and it sounds desperately elitist, but they may not be smart enough to understand that they're being led on by the nose by some very sinister people who are filling them and who are under, who are, are um, not, I suppose, who are, who are tapping into their own vulnerabilities. Yes, and fears, and, I suppose. And, and fear, fears, and yeah. not allowing them to understand that, yes, uh, there are many, many sides to, to to a lot of issues, and guess what? If no Ukrainian 
came here or set foot here or if no Syrian came here or set foot here, we would still have the housing crisis that we have and the health crisis that we have because it's not about them. It has never been about them. It has always been about government mismanagement and stuff like that. We can protest that all day long. You know, um, so but they, they, mm. they other people, they, they, they do this thing called othering where they look for a bogeyman. The bogeyman is the trans person. The bogeyman is, is the Ukrainian or the Syrian or what it is. Yes. And they try yeah. to separate and, and create that hatred. But that's done, as I say, by the leaders mm. of this. But I, um, I have to say about our country, by comparison to other European countries, I mean, the, the right has not ever gained a foothold here in, in that fashion. But... Yesterday, did that indicate that maybe the times are changing in some way? Yesterday was, um, I think, a major coup for them in so many ways. Yes. A major PR coup for them, because as you said earlier, you mentioned the word martyrdom and so on, that if, if some of them had taken a few knocks from the Gardaí, then they would have um, used that uh, yes. very, yeah. very... They, they would have used that and they would have put that person up on a pedestal. Um, so we're lucky. It says a lot about us as a country. And maybe it goes back to our history and what we have been through as having been yeah. uh, the victim of kind of colonial rule and colonial, colonial oppression for so many centuries and so forth that maybe we yeah. haven't risen to that because we've been more unified. But the, the globalization, I think, of communication and of social media um, and the spread of ideas, the more rapid spread of ideas um, now more than ever, I think, is a game changer and is right. slowly changing the game. I must leave it there, Connor. but thank you so much for making time for us today, Connor. Fran, thank you. have a conversation you. with you again about um, Frank and his talk. His I, conversation I hope you that. will, I'd and like if we had time today, I was going to bring that, that up with you, but, that, but, but certainly I, we will I, do that, Connor. I will support what he says. Yep. All right, okay, you're very Fran, good. Thanks, Connor. Thank you, Dr. Connor Reedy. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. We're staying with that uh, story of what happened outside of government uh, buildings yesterday. TDs escorted uh, to safety as demonstrators uh, erect uh, mock gallows outside of Leinster House. Eddie Reid is in Carrick and he joins me now. Uh, good morning to you, Eddie. Morning, Fran. Uh, How good, are you doing? Good to talk to you, Eddie. No stranger to protesting yourself, Eddie. So Absolutely I, not. I, I'd love to know what you made of yesterday then. It was an absolute disgrace, man. As you said, I'm no stranger to protest. I'm no fan of most politicians, and most politicians aren't a fan of me. But what went on yesterday, look, it's just the culmination of what's been growing in the country for the last seven, eight, nine, ten years with these far-right groups. Um, they started off the usual way with their chemtrails, then they moved on to all these other little silly things that were happening. Then they got a grip on covid now they're into Ukrainians. They're just one of your one of your your your, your previous callers said it about um, America. I mean, they're, they're they're basically what's going on watching what's going on in America. A couple of months back, they started with these going into libraries in America and bookstores mm, in America. Yeah. Now, Bly is at a blow in Cork, and they're at it in Dublin with whatever his face is in the National Party. Like it's they're just. Ref- Copy of what's going on in America. And you see, the thing is, as another one of your callers said, these foot soldiers that were there yesterday, that's basically all they are, foot soldiers. You look at the, the, 
the National Party a couple of months ago and the trouble there was with gold going missing of all things. Mm. Um, like these clowns that are standing around screeching hatred and screeching boil, they don't realise the people that are pulling the strings are just sucking in money. They're basically just they're PayPal patriots. They're there to make money. And that's all they're doing. They're lying in their own pockets. And while it got obviously completely out of hand and nobody could condone Absolutely, anything yeah. about what happened yesterday, does it indicate see, though, that there but does it indicate, Eddie, that there are people who are disenfranchised and feel that they're not represented by anybody? They're taking an easy option, Frank, to yeah. be honest with you. And they've been led down the path to yeah. take the easy option. Um look, there's a hundred thousand homeless in the country, whatever is in the country there's Sorry, 12,000 homes. There's 100,000 empty homes in the country at the moment. Mm. The option is to ask, why are those homes empty? Why are we lining the pockets of vulture funds? Why are we lining the the pockets of landlord friends of the government? That's there the questions need to be asked. Not, there's a fellow with a different colour skin than me coming in the door, coming into the country. And that's, it's an easy, it's an easy path to point these people down and is it and a going to, is it going to be a problem then for people like yourself who you know see protesting as as a right and seeing it as an important tool um that you know protest could right I, i'm sure a lot of people would agree with it be curtailed to say the very least certainly around um leinster house eddie is that is that the danger out of all of this as well it's a danger that we're all going to be tired with the one brush to be honest with you friend yeah um like, we've had, obviously I've been at protests where we've had Gardaí being heavy-handed. We were at one a couple of years ago in Dublin with um, against Pegida. Mm. You know, a, a violent far-right group that were trying to organise in Ireland. And we were the ones that got bet up by the Gardaí. And they were left off to run around and spew their hatred. So, I mean, we've been at the, the protests that I've been at, we've been at the receiving end of Gardaí brutality. Yesterday, mm. It was the flip. It was the, the protesters and the Gardaí were standing there and did absolutely nothing. Now, whether it's a safe base or, or whatever the reason, whether it was orders from Drew Harris, whether, I don't know what it was, but if that was water protesters that that yesterday, or if that, you know, if it was protesters up there against the far right. So are you saying people from different sort of political angles are treated differently? Is that is that what you're saying to me? That's exactly what I'm saying. If you look at what happened yesterday, if if that was a water protest, there would have been a completely different... I mean, we've seen the videos of... Everyone can remember at the, at the height of the water protest, there was a, a young girl standing outside Lenzer House mm. and a car came out, a guard that caught her, swung her and hit her head off a bollard. But, know, but Eddie, were, were there not attempts with the water uh, protests as well, for, attempts of infiltration there too, you know? To a degree, but I mean, you see, the thing you have to realise is that the people that were protesting the water or the people that are protesting genuine um, concerns that the Irish people have, they're protesting homelessness, they're protesting the water, they're protesting for the right reasons. And they, when you get infiltrated by a little mob of, of, of right-wing scumbags, they're spotted straight away and they're removed. Mm. And it's as simple as that. You look at that crowd that was up there yesterday, I can guarantee you not one of them has ever done any good for their own community. Not one of them has helped out in the soup kitchen or helped out with the homeless or done anything along those lines. And I can guarantee you that, not one. 
And the reason I know that is because of all the groups I've been involved with, never, ever have I seen one of the likes of those people attend to do something good for their community. Never. And you never will see them attend to it. So who are these people then? I, 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 look, I could name the top five or six in the country and then you could take, for instance, the, the, the video of the guard, of the, the Torag that was shouting at the guard, mm. that young guard that was standing in the corner. She looked like a, a rabbit caught in the headlights. Yeah, yeah. He was shouting at that guard, about, about that, at that guard, about being on cocaine and look at her, look at her, she's off her face and she's this and she's that. Yeah. He passed by a member of the far right from Waterford who was actually a drug dealer and a drug user. Right, you're not, going to, you're not going to name or accuse him. Absolutely anybody. not going to yeah, name him, okay. of course right. not. Hmm. He passed by a well-known drug dealer and drug taker, a drug user in Waterford, calling this guard the names. Hmm. And that man stood there laughing at that young guard. Hmm. This is what you're dealing with. That's the element of the far right in, in Ireland. And it doesn't matter how many people come out and say, ah, look, they have this they're right about this and they're right about that. They're right about absolutely nothing. And and Eddie, was was I I right then, or am I incorrect in thinking that the far right has not gained a foothold here? I mean... It has gained a foothold. Do you absolutely think it has? it has? It has, and I mean, it has its spokespeople in the doll as well. You know, one is a regular contributor to your show. He's a darling of the far right. Hmm. You know, and that's down to parish pump politics. That's down to... They're taking our church away from us. They're, taking, they're bringing these people into our community and they're not Christians, they're not Catholics. That's down to that silly-minded and it's gaining momentum. There's protests that stood outside during COVID. They were told to stand back when the doll was on in the mansion house or wherever it was on. They were standing back by the river, by the Liffey. And they had letters for the doll to win and they only wanted one person to come out and accept those letters and he came out and accepted those letters. You know, and he's a, a representative of Tipperary. So they have their little darlings in there. Now, to be honest with you, I was surprised with the, the level of vitriol that was put towards... Um, Michael Healy Ray. Healy Ray, yes, yes. yeah. And, and, like, normally these these clowns go after Sinn Féin or people before profit or organisations that they like to call Marxists mm. and fascists in the same breath. You know, that people like these people don't have a, any basic understanding of of politics, you know. Um everyone's a paedophile. Mm. You know, everyone's a Marxist, everyone's a fascist. They just have they they throw out these globalists. Globalists yeah. Yeah. You know, we're all being run by um, so, Bill Gates. We're all getting our injections so, and our microchips by Bill Gates. So yesterday then, as far as you're concerned, Eddie, um, was was this, like, will we look back on this as something huge? You know, what... To be honest with you, Fran, I watched that last night and I didn't take any notice of it. And the reason I didn't take any notice of it is I've been watching these groups online with the last seven or eight years and I've been watching their protests and it didn't seem anything spectacularly different to me. To what they've normally well, been what doing. What was different? It that. was it was at our parliament. It was at Dáilear. But I mean, they're standing outside homes that have nothing to do with refugees, that have nothing to do with Ukrainians, and they're shouting in abuse. This is going on twenty four seven. This is going on all the time. You know, the fact that it happened inside the parliament probably highlights it a bit more. But you ask anybody who's watching these this. So that's no surprise to you. Groups. Absolutely not. No, no surprise whatsoever. I've seen. I've. I've watched countless videos of them standing aside. Families going into to 
homes and, and into residential areas that look a bit different. They're being stopped by people at the entrance to, and they've been asked, where are you from? Where are you going? What do you think? Nobody has a right in the country to... A car doesn't have a right in the country to do that if you're not breaking the law. And that's going on as far as you're concerned. That's going on 24-7. That's going on day in, day out. It's going on in pockets in Dublin and it's going on all over the rest of the country. Um, so the right is on the rise then, would you go so far as to say? I think it's on the rise, but to be honest with you, Fran, I don't think it's going to gain too much traction because the Irish people are fundamentally not fascist. They're fund- like at the last... Well, have we? Oh, no, Duffy. Yes, the blue shirts. That's kind of it. Yeah. You know, um, then you get on to like, these leaders, they come and go. Your, your man in Donegal with the sheep dog yet. Yeah. The crowd in the National Party last year, they're mm. gone all over the place. You have Derek Bloy in Cork with his new parent, whatever he's called, with his brother. People see through these people eventually, you know. Um, they know that they're not there for the common good of the people. All right, uh, Eddie, thanks for your time this morning and good to talk to you. That's uh, Eddie Reid speaking to us uh, there. Let's go to Gus uh, right now. Uh, Gus, good morning to you. All right, we don't seem to have uh, Gus there. Uh, We'll try and get him back. Elaine was on as well to make that point uh, once again uh, that the Save St. Bridget's uh, protest uh, did not go past uh, the home of uh, Minister Butler. Um, Elaine goes on to say, we went past her mother's home not knowing that her mother lived there. When we found out, we stopped beeping the horn going through the village. Um, 083 311 Let me see if we still if we have Gus. Good morning, Gus. How are you, Frank? I'm very well indeed. Good to, good to talk to you. What what did you make of yesterday, Gus? Uh, I'd be kind of agreeing with Eddie there. If, if you went with whoever, was, I don't know how many was there, 100 people. If you checked all their names and PPS numbers, there's probably 95% of them don't work. They're on social welfare. Claiming whatever they are claiming for, but that that shouldn't the stop them. To, that shouldn't uh, stop them from peaceful protest. If it was, it wasn't a peaceful, a, it wasn't a peaceful protest. Oh, I know that, but I'm just saying to you that should not write them out of being able to protest just because they're on the door. No, everyone has the right to protest. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Well, like we're we're pawns for Europe, really. Like when we when we look at it regarding everything, being look at the farmers there. They get, didn't get a word last week. Hmm. They're nitrates reduced, slurry spreading season is up now. Mm. They have to get their tanks emptied two weeks now and it hasn't rained or it hasn't stopped raining for two weeks. Mm. Yes, they're driving into fields that a tractor barely come out of because they're so wet. Where is that slurry going to go? Into the rivers. Like, we're just pawns. There's no common sense in the leadership. And there's, like, we're just... But you see, Gus, is that not sort of almost playing into some of the rhetoric we heard yesterday about us being... You know, globalists are running the country and all of this kind of thing, uh, traitors and all that. Are you not playing well, into their narrative in well, some way? Everyone is pawning off the ownership or their leadership of the country. Like hmm. We have the likes of Simon Coveney going off to Ukraine there to visit Zelensky. Hmm. We're a neutral country. Leo Baraker, yeah. He would have had to bring Rangers and whatever security detail with him, probably cost, him, probably cost 200 grand for that, hmm. that uh, trip over, over and back to secure everything. Yeah, well, why was he? Why was he there? Like, what well, are we going to do? I, I brought Send that. Over jeep, I, like. Yeah, I brought that up with him. In fact, when I was talking to him on, on uh, Tuesday, uh, uh, yeah, reason to go. What, 
Well, I, I, I brought it up with him that, you know, the majority of the Irish people want us to remain uh, neutral. And uh, I said, here we have some of our, our army uh, training uh, some uh, Ukrainian soldiers over there. But he didn't see that. He said that, you know, we have to know when right is right and uh, we have to play our part. He, did, he didn't see that's that fine. as that's breaking, our part, breaking neutrality. There's money going over there to shake hands and be seen on the media to be a great lad. Yeah, I think, I think it, it was the it was the t-shirt factor who, who did that. But oh, yeah, but but why why do you think why do you think then, Gus, he was over there? Was it's the media. It's all media. Like as uh, Paulina said yesterday, the media runs a lot of things, yeah. whether it be COVID or injections or whatever. The likes of Tip FM, Today FM, or whatever. All the national broadcasters getting huge money to push all this. It's all just funding the, the big business where the local businesses are on their knees for paying rates. And as the news said there, we're in the top two in the country for boil notices. We're like a third world county there for water. Mm-hmm. Even as we speak, just around the corner from me now from home, they're digging up the road. Mm-hmm. It's been dug up since before June there, trying to mend leaks. And for the six months before that, they had aqua leak. They were sitting there in a van for six months saying there was 58 so, gallons leaking a minute. So are, are you saying to me then that... Like because some of what you're saying is playing into what those people were saying yesterday, Gus. You know. Oh, we're saying we need to, we need to like the likes of Ishka Iron. Get rid of us. Give it back to the council. If you funneled all the money from Ishka Iron back to the relevant councils, mm. they could have their own teams rather than tendering out for everything for government. Then yeah. a six month tendering, then some tender tender getting an extortionate price to do a job and put back down the road with say a water pipe or broadband. Just yeah. throw the road back down, so it's like a roller coaster when you're driving over. Get the, get the council to be accountable for the council work. And are you saying it's to me that we wouldn't see images like we saw yesterday if these kind of things were dealt with, like health and education and all of these? Well, well look at the cards. Uh, the card uh, yesterday was uh, Carlo Leary from Care on about all the crime there, robbing bike, a bike robbing Nina or whatever and whatever. Mm. Yes, like, oh, a file has been sent to the DPP. A big gravy train of legal aid is going to account for that. Mm. That lad's going to go to court, get free legal aid off his lister. Mm. He's going to probably maybe put back for three months probation report because poor Johnny has a drug problem or his parents didn't give him enough as a child and he just doesn't have any manners in society. Instead of going, right, Johnny, you're getting 300 hours community service. You don't adhere to that. Go out picking up litter, picking up dog fowl Mm. or general help in the community. We're taking the social welfare off you in six months. Right. There's no there, everything is geared towards a social welfare state in Ireland. Right. The I, less you do, the more children I, you have. Could I put it to could I put it to you again, Gus, that some of what you're saying to me there sounds remarkably right wing, you know? But sure, that's that's the facts. Eighteen hundred nine three eight double O seven. We'll take a break back in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Ray is with me now. Good morning to you, Ray. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you today. You sort of have mixed feelings about yesterday, I gather, have you? I do, yes. I mean, the people have a right to protest, so they do. Um, but the, for the Black Garden side of it that went on, um, that's not acceptable. Mm. And nobody could condone that. So they couldn't. But that said, I mean, people are driven to the pin of the collar in this country with everything that's going on and the way people are being treated. 
Um, so there is an, an element of anger out there. Mm. So there is. And what do you do with anger? You vent it. And of course, we saw it vented yesterday, but certainly it went uh, to to the extreme. Uh, and I presume you wouldn't go along with anything like that, uh, right? Oh, no, absolutely yeah. not. No, 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 no. The extreme. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like I wouldn't condone that kind yeah. of. Uh, do, do you uh, protest behavior. yourself, Ray? No, I, I don't have time to protest. Man, I, yeah. I, 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 I wish I could. I have attended one or two in my time, but there'd be like more unionized stuff. They yeah. were already involved in, in matches and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I haven't. I mean, I, I'm a working man. I, um, I work yeah. shift work. I so do, you, so you don't have time. Lot, yeah. You know, I don't have time. I just don't have time. No. Um, yeah. I'd love to make time. Uh, maybe when I return, if you just time, <laughs> I a bit more time. And what would the big, if you did have time to protest, uh, Ray? What would the big issues for you be? The big issues at the moment, I suppose, to me, would be the way the country is being run, the mm-hmm. way the people are being treated. You know. the... I, I know I, I heard David Under earlier on talking about, um, you know, COVID and all that and conspiracy theories. All of the conspiracy theories that were spoken about at the time have turned out to be true. For that. Mm. In terms you of, know, in, in what? what? In, in terms of lockdowns, in terms of the vaccinations, the vaccinations didn't work. They haven't worked. Well, you said, va- well, I understand vaccination did work for a large number of, of people. It mightn't have kept COVID away from them, but my understanding is that it, it it made sure that they didn't have a more profound illness. Ray, would you go? Would you go along with that? Well, the vaccination there for polo and people that were vaccinated against polo didn't get polo. Mm. So, like, why would COVID? And by the way, COVID. Is a broad term that covers all uh, influenza. <laughs> is a COVID, you know. Uh, I know people going back in li- a long time before COVID who got the flu jab come winter time, and these are um, healthy people who took it mm. and got very very sick and were out of work because they got the flu jab. Right. But, so but, but you know what the what the doctors are telling us that there's always a certain of number pe- number of people that will have an unfortunate reaction to a vaccine. Anyway, Ray, so... And that's, that's acceptable. <clears throat> yes. But you're saying well, uh, the numbers would would sort of frighten you, is that well, it? Well, well, the numbers, I mean, uh, speak for themselves, that they do. Uh, the, the, the people who got very sick ended up and ended up in hospital were buying something like 0.01% hmm. of the total number. And those figures are out there for anyone to research and see. Mm. You know, the, the health service have all those figures that they have, and you can see them online yes. any day. Well, well, you heard uh, over the last couple of days, I mean, uh, the teacher coming out to say that there were issues in, in terms of how uh, COVID was handled. But what they probably would say to you is, we were in an unprecedented situation, Ray, and, you know... We... Well, absolutely, they were in an unprecedented yeah. situation, and the COVID vaccine was only uh, approved for emergency uh, uh, purposes. Now, mm. the, the emergencies are gone. Yeah. And now they're still pushing another course of uh, uh, COVID vaccines on people. And by the way, they're actually uh, coding at the moment from six months on. Yeah, well, but... Why would you... Uh, well, there's a new strain of it, isn't there? Isn't that, isn't that what well, this... Well, there is, but it's not even registered on any one scale, so it's not. So, OK, that's, that's something that's concerning. What, what else would concern you as somebody who's a working man and who's busy? The USC that was brought in as a temporary measure. Yeah. Now I know they're talking at the moment about doing that, but that's a, for political reasons. Well, so they're only talking about re- reducing it. They're not talking about yeah, it, it. yeah, they're talking about reducing it. So because they know that people want it gone, that's for political reasons. Everybody knows there's, there's elections coming up, and if the present government can look good in the light of the people when the elections come around, 
they hope that people will vote them. Very, but I think the reality of that one is that won't happen. You're very cynical about them all, Ray. <laughs> cynical <laughs> individual. <laughs> yeah. And is, you know, does, um, yeah. Sorry, go on no, 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 I was just going to say to you, okay, so there's that. I mean, we're, we're reading about huge issues with health all the time, but Michal Martin took me to task uh, on the programme last week when, you know, I was pointing out some of the obvious issues with health and he said I, I was sort of pushing a negative all of the time and I wasn't pushing enough yeah, positives. Well, uh, Michal, but Michal Martin has talked down um, every person that he ever spoke to. You know, he, do, he, he does nothing else with his time other than just uh, talk people down and shut you up because they don't want that... Uh, like, you know, highlighting what's going on in the health service because yeah. that's not good for business, that's not, that's not good for them. Yes, but as he was speaking to me, there was 112 people on trolleys down in Limerick, but anyway. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so you... But like, yes, all those issues are, are like, you know, would be issues for me, so they would. Yeah. You know, uh, and my decision when I come to the, to, to, to the ballot box next year will be based on all of those issues. Yes. And, anyway. and can I ask you, would you have been sort of supporting a particular political party over the years? or Well, well growing up, I mean, uh, my father was a Fianna Fáil man, so he was, I canvassed for Fianna Fáil, so I did, um, you know, out in Afton, when we were young people, I remember standing on the gates mm. of the school, um, and we arrived and followed Charlie Blair on a, on a yes. big stereo system. I, so rem- had, I remember know. it well, yeah. Yeah, you know, um, then, of course, you know, as you get older, you start to see things for yourself and you see what's actually going on in the country. Like, there's not a hope in hell would I give uh, Fianna Gael a vote. Would you, you know, not? No, yeah. not a hope in hell. Now, that said, local elections, there was one, I'm not going to mention his name, one Fianna Gael man who I went to with an issue and he was top class. Right. And he did work for me. I would give him a vote. But in, as, as in a general election, no. I right. don't think but so. when you're supporting a local politician, it's, it's more on... The personality and what he can do yeah, as opposed to the party. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And as somebody who has a family history of Fianna Fáil, what, what did you make of the grand coalition then? Of I thought it was the greatest scam that, uh, that this country has ever seen. So it was. Fianna Fáil. It was a deliberate stone, so it was, to stop uh, Sinn Féin getting in. Now, I voted Sinn Féin in the, in the last election, so I did. Uh, with everything that's going on at the moment and what the way... Uh, different narratives are being put out there by Sinn Féin. I don't know what I vote from this, uh, you know, this time out. The, the, well, the big critique at the moment is that they're moving towards the centre, essentially, to, I suppose, yeah. be be more popular, I suppose. Yes. Yeah, is, that, is that how you're seeing it, Ray? Is that... Yes, that's, a, yeah, that's exactly how I'm seeing it. You know, I don't agree with what's going on with young children in school and the education system that's being introduced. Um, I'm a grandfather of nine, was the case, nine on the way. Um, and I would not like to see them, you know, to be shown certain books in schools that uh, they don't need to have a certain age, you know, seven, eight, nine years of age. Right. They don't need to be seen. This, that, this is a sex education. and uh, It's a sex education. But it's more to do, like sex education is one thing, okay, to a point. Uh, the books that are out there. The content seen, of them, yeah. Mm. The content of them. Mm. The graphic content on them, or you know, the the little pictures that that, that um, illustrated on them, mm. that's not acceptable. So it's not, you know, it's pornography any day of the week. Now I remember growing up, um, there was certain magazines around that, like you know, when you're 13 or 14 years of age and you get them. Mm. My God, you get some boxing gear off your mother or father, so you would if your family wanted them. Yeah, you know. And 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 you're saying, are you saying there's a similarity in how sex is portrayed in in these books? Is that it? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, if, if, if you show a book to a 10-year-old child that sh- that says that it's okay to do a certain act, mm. then how can we complain afterwards when some other little 10-year-old girl is after being interfered with by a child of the same age? And they say, which I saw this in a book, and this is how it's done. You know, the parents aren't going to go along with that. From what I could ascertain uh, about the people who were protesting yesterday, that would have been one of their issues, along with immigration and yeah, absolutely. I'm, and I'm pretty sure it would be. And, uh, yeah. But like, why is it is it not okay to highlight these issues? Mm. You know, I've seen uh, school board meetings in the states where parents like they have a different system from us here. They, you know, the parents can go to the school board yeah. meetings and they can highlight issues. But they can. They're being demonised for the uh, and investigated by the FBI uh, for uh, domestic terrorism. That's uh, how you shut people up. And uh, do you see us approaching that sort of a sort of? Very, a, they're going down the very same route. Do you think so? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this country is becoming more and more Americanised. That is, uh, you know, from that point of view. That is. And and do you think that's creating fertile grounds then for the far rights and for? Well, who might have see, a... this, you see, this far right thing, I, I don't agree with. Do you I, not? I have been called far right because of my opinions. Um, we all have an opinion, so we do. Mm. We don't all necessarily agree with each other's opinions, yeah. so we don't. But that doesn't mean that I'm a far right or that you're a far left. Mm. And by the way, you go far enough left, you're going to come back right. Yeah, well, yeah. If you look at the spectrum, that that uh, that could be argued, all right. Um, Ray, really interesting to talk to you, and thanks very much for your time, and we appreciate it. No thank, you. thank you, no bye bye, bye yeah. you thank you. Bye bye, Chanel. That's uh, Ray speaking was there. Uh, a couple of people want to know um, why I cut uh, Gus off. Uh, you see, we have no problem giving people a platform here, and I was delighted with some of the conversation I had with Gus. But if you're going down the road of naming people and identifying people and making accusations about people. Now, you know, it's my job to protect the radio station where that is concerned, so I have to do that. So, you know, apologies to our listeners if you thought that was a bit high-handed of me, but that's my job and that's what I have to do. We'll take a break back in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Ongoing roadworks works even by Tipperary County Council on the old uh, care road in uh, Cashel. Um, uh, it seems to me there that the road is being reduced in width and already causing some concern for motorists and indeed for business establishments in the area as well. I'm glad to be joined now by former uh, County Councillor Tom Woods. Tom, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran, from uh, Sonny Cashel. <laughs> I'm delighted to hear it, Tom. And you spoke to me from Sonny Cashel uh, last week and we touched on this, but you have an update where this is concerned now, I think, Tom. Yeah, that's right. Of course, I mean, we've seen major changes on the care road here in Cashel. Uh, over the last couple of months and the work is still continuing and of course uh, Fran that's under what they call the active travel project and you might remember that early this year 500,000 euros was allocated for that particular work that's done 
uh, being undertaken at the moment on yes. the Kay Road in Cashel. Mm. Now, as you said in, in the piece there, there are sections of the road that uh, most of the road itself has been um, narrowed considerably. And there are a lot of people concerned because you're still meeting heavy vehicles. And in particular, at the mo- in, during the last couple of weeks, a, a lot of the agricultural machinery now, the more modern stuff, is very wide. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people have, have raised concern about the actual width of the road, the reduction in the width of the road. Now, we know the reason why the, the work is being carried out. It's in relation to the provision of, of, of safer footpaths and, and cycle lane, etc., etc., and to reduce the speed. That's what we've been told by the... The, the road section, the whole idea of having the road narrow, and they've accepted themselves, Fran, as you will see, that the road itself is much narrower than it was, but they, according to them, it's within the guidelines that are set down, and it's to reduce the speed of traffic. Now, that's great if that happens, but you mean come down further down the K Road onto Boher Clock Street, yes. and I mean the speed of traffic on Boher Clock is, at times is just dreadful. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's a matter of balancing out, I mean, what can be done now that the road is, is nearly completed, that, that all the physical work has been done, but if it's meant to slow down the traffic, well, I mean, other measures will have to be taken in because we've failed to do that over the years. It's 20 years now, for instance, the Cashel Bypass opened. And is then it the indeed? motorway. Is it 20 yeah, years, Michael? 20 years. Wow. And then the motorway followed on that. Yeah. But we still have a considerable number of large vehicles coming through the town. And it's not ne- they don't have to come here. It's fine for people who have a reason to come for mm. deliveries, etc., etc., are getting from A to B, and that's the only route they can take. But, you know, until such time now with, with, with the situation on the care road, I mean, there, it, it should go hand in hand now with... with making sure that only the vehicles that are necessary to come into town are through the town, that that should be allowed. And how would you do that, Tom? How would you police that? Well, I mean, there have to, there, there must be some regulations there. I know I was looking up something recently, Fran, and even the, the modern agricultural machinery, I believe that once it can reach a certain speed, it can actually use the motorway. Yes. You know, and, and now I know, as I said, and I stress this, that people for one reason or another, have to come through the town. But there's a lot of heavy vehicles coming through the town that, that don't really, that is not necessary for them to do so. And over the years, we've been all the time talking about Cashel. It's the same in every town and every village, trying to reduce the speed. I don't know, people just don't seem to realise that they're in an urban area. And as I said, I, I walk by o'clock regularly, and it's the same on the, mm. the Dwella Road and the Chanmill Road and the Thurless Road coming into town. No, the speed and uh, that that traffic will pass you yes. at by at is, is just and Tom, so is there dangerous. not a speed ramp on Boer Clock Street? Isn't there well, a supermarket there? Yeah, there was a time, Fran, when we had ramps that were proper ramps. Yeah, you slow down because they were high enough. They made sure, <laughs> you made sure you slowed down because you could damage your vehicle if you didn't. Yeah. But we have ramps here in Cashel Town and you'd barely know that they were even there. I mean, we're, we're supposed to have one here in the main street at the pedestrian crossing uh, where huge numbers of people cross. And, and I mean, you, you wouldn't ra- actually know it was there because the height of the ramps has been reduced to ba- basically nothing. So it, it's only a, basically a marking on the road. So you, you need proper ramping mm. and you also need CCTV but then 
it has to be followed up on. Because, as I said, on, on a regular basis, on a daily basis, uh, I'm, you know, hearing from people around town. Now, you might wonder why I'm bothered. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not on the council anymore. But when you don't have the town council, Fran, and you don't yeah, have course. the nine councillors around, people just turn to you, and when they ask you something, you try and do your best. So that's the reason why. Of course why. you do. Uh, what concerns me, and it's a bit selfish, Tom, uh-huh. I used to always park opposite uh, the the um, shopping centre there. That parking is all gone now, right down to St. Patrick's, isn't it? All that parking is gone, and, and yeah. what's even more disappointing is there was a, a bus coming there in the mornings that actually picked up some people who were on their way to the to Tipperary Town, uh, to the centre in Tipperary Town. Those people now can't get the bus on the care road at all, and I meet them some mornings here trying to get down to the main street at, at, at after 8 o'clock, and in the winter time now, when it's dark and everything for those people, uh, some of them come down from Oliver Plunkett and Sparfield and Sparfield Crescent. You know, it's not going to be easy for them. Yeah, all that parking is gone. And uh, as I said, you know, fine. You, you can you can improve the situation. You can put in your cycle lane, etc. But but I mean, to get to the stage where where people now even driving are worried about a vehicle, a, a truck, or or another machine coming towards them in the opposite lane that that you know course, it, yeah. it is concerning but as it stands now we've been told that look it, the area will be planted it will look better etc etc and that people will get used to it in due course but the end of the day is the whole reason for doing it is to slow down the traffic but when you're not able to do it as i said in other parts of the town uh, right up to the present moment you know, you'd wonder why spending so much money in that area w- without having other services there to make sure that that happened. For sure, and of course a lot of young kids as well in, in, in that area there. Tom, did did anybody see this plan before they, they went ahead with the work? Well, I mean, people could make submissions, etc., etc. And, um, I mean, I, I, I have seen in the last week or so, a, a little area where a curbing was put in which was causing problems and it has been removed. But of course that can't happen now uh, uh, from from now on. So so p- the plans, that's why it's so important for people, I suppose, they don't realise when they see a notice up in relation to a proposal to mm. do something in your town or in your village, it's important to go and see and make your submission. Now a lot of submissions were made in relation to that, but I don't think people ever realised that the, the width of the road itself was going to be reduced to such an extent. Mm. And and the people, because I, I also, there was always a line of cars parked there. Where do they park now? Is it a case that you go into Tesco car park? Or? Well, I mean, for some people, it was only a matter of pulling up and they were going maybe for a takeaway coffee or yeah, something yeah. on their way to work. As I said, for other people, it was waiting for a bus to bring them to some of the other uh, the other towns around. So, I mean, all that's, all that's gone. So, I mean, for the people using the buses, as I said, they have to come to the town centre now because, of course, right through the, the whole area there uh, on the Kea Road, there is no place for, for, for a bus to pull in. And, and uh, as I said, you know, we're at the stage now, we'd be hoping in the future that if other uh, works are being carried out, there's a proposal to do some work on Ladies Well Street under that particular scheme as well, and I believe also on the old road. So, you know, uh-huh. people will just have to be aware of, of what, is, what is actually happening. And, and uh, as I said, it, it, it's too late now for the road to be uh, increased in width, but as I said, 
we're being told by the roads authority that it's under the conditions and regulations that are laid down. Right, but as you say, the old road and Ladies Well Street, I mean, if people want to have a look at the possibilities of what's happening there. Of what can be happening, yeah, and, yeah. and uh, in the near future, maybe next year, uh, I believe we probably have some more work starting here on Main Street, and, and again, it's going to be important that people will, will keep an eye on things and, and see that what, what is happening is, 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 is beneficial to everybody, not just uh, reducing the width of the street or whatever, you know, we have to get to the stage now where we reduce the speed of the traffic. Can I drag you into our conversation this morning, Tom, as well, about protesting and about what went on yesterday? Mm. I mean, you know, you and I would have grown up when the huge protests in Cashel about Our Lady's Hospital and hospital services and all of that. Protest can be a very good thing, but what did you make of yesterday? Yeah, well, we never experienced it, Fran, to that degree. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even though people were very cross and very angry, and yeah, 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 but I mean, at the end of the day, there's, you know, you'd expect that there'd be respect for everybody from both sides of the fence. I'll put it that way. But I mean, as you said, we had we had thousands of people in Cashel years ago. In fact, do you remember when even the the roads were blocked uh, on one particular day, and of course the main Dublin Cork Road was coming through the town centre itself, and, and that happened at the time. But you didn't have the situation that was experienced yesterday but it, it has kind of been moving in that direction Fran over the last number of years you could see kind of a, a change in the in the attitude and a change in the atspheere in relation to protesting and and um, hopefully the, the matter will be will and be what do you put that down to Tom I do it's, it's very I don't know I in some instances I think it's because people are tired of, of asking for something to be done and, and it's not happening. Uh, it, it can turn some people to, to that particular degree of, 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 of uh, protesting in that fashion. But at the end of the day, there's nothing to be gained for, from it. And, and it's only putting other people, you know, in, in frightening situations. I mean, if you leave the politicians out of the equation, remember there's huge numbers of people working in Dáil Éireann and in that particular area at, at all levels. Mm. And, and I mean, for them as well, like to, to have that situation, it, it, it was very frightening. And we'd be only hoping that the matter can be resolved, uh, you know, in the very yeah, near future. So. And in all your years as a public representative, were you? Did you get abuse at times, Tom? Did you have people confronting you and? You'd get there. <laughs> you yeah. get somebody saying, "I'll never vote for you again," or whatever, or whatever. <laughs> but I mean, look, that was the situation, and you, you never had. We had. We had uh, protests many of them over the years, even at Cashel Town Council yeah. meetings over the lack of housing, etc., etc. But, I mean, you, you never had it to that degree where, where it, it nearly became physical. You never had that situation. And generally what would happen afterwards is that those people, whoever they were representing, they would come in on a deputation and they would be listened to. And then uh, you know, over over a period of time, it always worked out that whatever was being sought was 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 carried out and implemented. But but I think at the present time, Fran, there there are so many things that are are, are really gone wrong in 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 the country, and and people are looking for change, and they don't see the change coming. Now you don't expect change immediately on mm. these things, but these things are going on for years. Yes, and of course, the unscrupulous. Types then will will sort of well take, then you have the people of, who take advan- yeah, who yeah. take advantage of the situation yeah. and and you, you'll you'll get that everywhere uh, I mean you you can see all the protests there 
this year in, in, in Paris and yeah, all around yeah. France, etc., etc. The violence that was involved, I mean, the, the people that were carrying out that had no interest in what the, the, the matter, the, you know, what yes, the general yeah. situation was. Yeah, it's interesting. One of our listeners on, by the way, to go back to the start of our conversation, uh, saying the new uh, cycle lanes and footpaths, the need to be linked up to the schools for them to be useful in casual. Traffic is horrendous by the primary school every morning as well. I presume you go along with that, so the, uh, around the schools there, Tom? Yeah, well, I mean, there has always been a problem at, at, all, yeah. at all our schools here in Cashel in relation to parking, and it's probably something that was never envisaged when planning applications yeah. were being put in in relation to developing schools. And, and uh, you know, a lot of people still have to bring their children to, to school and drop them off and collect them, and it has been a problem for... For, for years uh, in relation to that, but very difficult then to resolve it because, Fran, in the meantime, we have a lot of new housing developments and housing estates, etc., yeah. etc., et developed, you know, in the vicinity of the schools as well. So you don't even have the, the open space where you could even provide a, a car park even for drop-off and collection. You know, there was a situation in Cashel where they were talking about, you know, uh, having the old road where John the Baptist School is, yes. that that would be one, a one-way. But then it, it can create problems for residents, etc., because it's a quite a distance to come if you're living towards the middle of the old road to, to go onto the K road, etc. So it's, it's not, there's no easy solution to it, but it's just a matter of people uh, you know, uh, people respecting the other parents that are dropping off children as well, that has been a problem. And, and it's, it has been witnessed, uh, you know, around the schools here in Cashel on occasion. And I'm sure it's the same all over the county. I'm sure it is indeed. Tom, it's always good to talk to you. Thanks very much indeed. Thank you. And thank you. Good, okay, good bye. Good morning to Tom. Bye-bye. And that's uh, Tom Wood there, former uh, county councillor in Cashel and still indeed a uh, community activist in uh, the town because people keep coming to him, I suppose, because of his background and the amount of time he spent on the council and indeed his dad before him as well. Uh, 1800-938-007. News and information is on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Now uh, we're with you, of course, every weekday morning from 9 this morning uh, during the 9 o'clock hour. We spoke to Frank as part of our conversations on yesterday's violent uh, protest outside of uh, Leinster House. Uh, Frank told me he had little sympathy for TDs given what he and his neighbours have had to put up with in Nina. And uh, here's a little bit of what he had to say to me just after nine o'clock this morning, but it certainly took us all by surprise. It's about time you got a bit of their own medicine. I'm here in a street in Nina and we're attacked over four nights every week. It's absolutely disgrace. We've had three, four stabbings in the last couple of months. We have cars crashed overturned on the street, windows smashing in cars, banging on the door. I've got to get a second door in my house now. Get replaced. And uh, the perpetrators, it, what? Young people gone rogue? What? What, what is it, Frank? They, they, they go to the pubs. They go, particularly, if all I need on this street, I've asked the council, I've asked the guardian for it all, is I need two premises sorted out and I need seven uh, speed traps on, on the ramps on this street. They run up and down the street all weekend at 110 kilometres an hour, and I believe me, they're even going faster. It's, it's, nobody seems to do anything about it. We've been with the guards. I asked the guard one day, he said, what's going to happen? He said, hey, are we a no-go area? He says, yes. Wow. That was his words. 
And your now, quality we, of life then, Frank? We have no... The only quality of life we have a night's sleep is that it rains. Now, myself and my wife are here having... When it was all over four o'clock in the morning, we were having a half, a half four, having a cup of tea and a slice of toast. The people across the road were there late ages and they were terrified. And the girl next door was 30 and I told them they should rang me and come in to me or I go over to them. I, I, I ran across one night through all that. They were up in the cars the other night. They were jumping on the cars, going by. They were stopping people in the cars. They were pulling them out of the cars. And the cars tried to reverse to get out of the way and they road. They stopped them from doing that. And that was Frank who spoke to me just after 9 o'clock uh, this morning. And... Um yeah, it's something we will certainly uh, follow up on, but it's surprised an awful lot of people uh, to hear that story, that's for sure. All right, it's time for our health slots, and delighted as always to be joined by Muriel Cuddy, who's CEO of Morito 8020, the clinic in Clanmill. Good morning to you, Muriel. How are you? I'm great, Fran. I can't believe almost a year in operation. Next week, is it the 5th? Yeah, 5th of October, yeah. So, wow. yeah, I can't believe it myself, to be honest, yeah. Bit yes. of a roller coaster. It actually seems like a lifetime ago and it seems like yesterday. Does that make sense? Mm. So, yeah, it was a total roller coaster. I thought I knew a lot of things last year before we opened up. The level of learning, Fran. Oh, my God. And I'm sure anyone that's running a business or has opened or whatever down to the years. And I'm doing like business a long time. But yeah. the amount of things we had to learn, the, the, the ups and downs of you come in the door in the morning and you're in great form and within 10 minutes something hits the fan. And all of a shot, the roller coaster for the day starts that you're like gone under the desk. And how do you come back right. out? And you... is that about red tape and bureaucracy and everything? And a mixture just of all of that. So many, so many different things. Like when you, when you have a clinic like we have, like you have compliance and GDPR and you have all of that. And then you have like people working with you. And mm. there's just so many different things that you are in boxes you have to take. Like my world is like sitting with clients mm. and chatting to them and changing their world if I can. But like when you have a business like that, that becomes maybe 15% of your world and there's another 85% that has to happen before and after that. It's incredible, isn't it? Now, yeah. you've had a look back at the people who have been coming to you and their various ailments and conditions as well and you sort of have a, a hierarchy of it, haven't yes. you? It's like reeling in the years, isn't but I've only it? a yeah. year in. Wait, yeah. wait until I've ten, <laughs> 10 years done. We'll be looking back. But listen, yes. So, um, it, when you're listening here... Um, literally tick off how many of these things apply to you, right? I'm going to give the percentages in relation to the amount of people we have seen and how many people have, have with, had with these, these conditions. With these conditions, yeah. yeah. So I have seen probably about 480 people in the last 12 months, right? Okay. So that's where the percentages are coming from, okay? So number one, brain fog, 50% of people. Mm -hmm. uh, memory concentration, 50% of people. Headaches, 35%. Unexplained muscle pain, 75%. Inflama inflammation or gas. So inflammation all over the body is in fingers. It can be anywhere. Um, 70 percent. Then gas and bloating within the tummy. 60 percent. Constipation and diarrhea. Chronic. That's like literally not able to get out of the car. 40 percent. Intermittent that it comes and goes. 55 percent. Acid reflux or burning feeling. 70 percent. Low energy. Awful tiredness. Just, you know, just unexplained. 80 percent. Nutritional deficiencies. 80%. Immune system problems, 90%. Mood challenges, this is huge, 93%. Skin problems, hair loss, that side of things, 35%. Weight fluctuations, 70%. Insomnia, 60%. Sugar cravings, 75%. Reduced appetite, 30%. And intolerance issues, up to 70%. Wow. 
I'm coming out really badly out of that. Are you? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Christ. Twelve of them. But that's normal. I'd be affected by. That's normal. That's normal. Isn't that's it? normal. That's what I'm finding. Like you can see the crossover here. Like when I get to eighty percent, and it's eighty percent down along the list. That's a lot of people that are affected by a lot of different unexplained lifestyle issues. Yeah. That you'll go to your doctor with this list. Like you can get a tablet for a lot of these. So like bloating, you can get a tablet. You can get a tablet for a headache. You can get a tablet for acid reflux. You know, you can get, you know, vitamin pills or something for your low energy. You know, so you can get something for mood challenges. Like you can get tablets for a lot of these things. You know, skin but, problems. But there's a big but, but there, isn't the, there? But that doesn't work like in the long term. Yeah. Like you can take, like, are you going to take 11 tablets? 12. 12 for the different issues you have. No, I'm not. Like, but but most people that come in, well, a lot of people that come in would have multiple issues. Oh, guess, this, this, these, these all cross over. Yeah, so okay. like I sit and listen to the first 15 minutes of the different issues that they have and then I actually ask them about a lot of different things and that pulls another list of different problems and issues that are there, you know. And it, for me, it blows my mind because I actually put together, so, you know, when you're doing the job I'm doing, certain people come to mind and they stay in your head. Yes. And they st- probably stay in your head for life or maybe at times they come and go and somebody else comes in. But I just put together a few people. So let's call the first person Peter. Mm. So this is a guy that came into me with a lot of different issues, um, early to mid 60s. Um, so fibromyalgia, muscle pain, um, overweight, unexplained inflammation. To the extent his system had wound down on steroids, um, I think up to 10 steroids, so many different medications. Um, And when he came to me, it was literally last resort. He'd heard me here. So had stopped work because he wasn't able to work anymore. Right. Um, Was literally sitting in the chair uh, day after day or whatever. A couple of grandkids, all of that kind of thing. But just couldn't. What would you say? At 62, felt like he was 82. It felt yeah. like life had ran out. He took to the couch. as, as we And said, wasn't able to do wasn't anything able. else. Oh, chronic diarrhoea. Wow. So the chronic diarrhoea was literally from barely able to get out, out of the car to get into the clinic and would have to use the toilet. And had he done all the usual tests? and Been to every single person under the sun and wow. was on tablets for every single thing. Um, he actually said to me this week, why didn't I find you sooner? Right. So he's eight weeks for eight weeks. So, you know, everybody's screaming at the radio now. What did you tell him? What well, did you we do? We literally went back to basics. So for the first consultation, which was an hour, which I could have done 10 hours in, we literally went back to the basics of I listened to every single ailment, went through every single um, medication that he was on. And I went then back to the basics of what I needed to do to rehab him back. So when did it start? What did I need to do then? So the starting place, of course, is always the engine. It's always the gut. That's where you're going to start. You can work on into sleep and you can work on into the other lifestyle issues after that. But we had to remove. So we had to remove chemicals, preservatives, sugars. We had to remove a lot of things like that out of his world. One of the big things, and I actually wrote this down when I was coming in today, because this is one of the biggest things when you're coming into me is don't come in if you're not ready to change. I'm a last resort. Yes, But if somebody sits across from me and I know they're not ready to change and it's not massive changes, the lifestyle changes are all very normal, very ordinary. And most of the time, unless it's an intolerance issue, it's 70, 30 or 80, 20. You don't have to like change your whole lifestyle overnight and do every single Mm. thing, seven days a week, whatever. You can do it like Monday to Friday, have a little whatever over the weekend and then reset again on a Monday. But you've got to be ready to change. You've got to be ready to listen to me because if you don't listen to me, you're wasting your money and I'm wasting my time. Yeah, we had had people in here from Ashiree during the week and they're dealing with addiction, obviously. But the very same thing, unless somebody arrives with that mindset, 
it's now time for me to change. Yeah. It won't work. And nobody yeah. else can do it for you. Yeah. Like a wife can bring a husband, husband can bring a wife. You know, you, even even with the kids, um, even for a mother to bring a child, unless the child is ready to sit and listen, mm. it's very hard for the mother to actually change. So with Peter then, all the sweet stuff? Yeah, all the sweet stuff. And you know, he didn't mind any of that because he felt so awful. Mm. Whatever he had to do. And like I always say to people, take it softly. So let's just do this evening or let's just do tomorrow. So I really simplify it. So I write down maybe 10 or 12 foods. I'd say, right, we'll stick to these 10 or 12 foods for the next two weeks. Okay, if you want to have like a treat, whatever, weekends or your mm. glass of wine or your Guinness or whatever it is, that's absolutely fine. But for the most part, let's stick to these 10 to 12 foods. Mm. So I'll get, send them away with their shopping list and I'll give them my number. So mm. that's the support piece. So they'll send me pictures. Did you say this was okay, Muriel? Did you say that that was okay? Mm. So I educate them through it then for the next couple of weeks in relation to what they're doing. And they'll tell me how they feel or whatever. I'll get them to write down their mood and you know how all of that works. The only thing I want after the two weeks when they come back is, how do you feel? Mm. And I sit and I wait to hear, well, actually I'm awful or actually I'm... Every single person nearly that comes through, Fran, says, well, actually I feel a little bit better. I can't okay. explain it. After two weeks? After two weeks. There's something there. I had a lady yesterday and I can still picture her in my head and I was a bit worried about her because I didn't know if she was able to change mm. to the extent I wanted her to change and, and even if her head was in the right mindset, mm. mindset for it. But she said to me, I can't. And she was very quiet for the first two or three minutes and I waited and then she said, I feel better. And I said, do you? And she said, I can't explain it, but yeah, I'm getting out of bed easier in the morning. I don't feel as depressed my mood doesn't feel like it's on the floor all the time. You know, she said, I'm actually walking in the evening time. And when I made her do her mood, her mood had started at three. And she said, look, Muriel, my mood has actually gone to six over the space of the two weeks. So, so she could actually see... it's life-changing for her, it's, really, it's, isn't it? yeah. And that's on what I've spoken about here. Like, like, you can talk about the cholesterols, and I have another lady in my head in relation to the cholesterol and stuff, but when I'm talking <laughs> about things like inflammation, unexplained muscle pain, yes. I've got people coming like that are going in for knee operations, going in for different things, or have had a knee operation or a hip operation. And they'll say to me about the inflammation, you know, like my hip is whatever, and my hands like are so swollen, I can't put my rings on anymore, and different things like that. When you start doing something that's like, that the body needs, you can't run a car in dirty diesel or dirty aisle. Like, this is the engine. So when you're putting the wrong stuff in, it shouts at you, mm. and it says to you, there's something wrong, stop. But we don't stop. We go and we get a tablet. And we just make the problem worse. We'll stop one problem, but we'll make another problem worse. And we stay doing that. And the body stays shouting at us because it stays breaking down in different areas. But when we pull all of that back to where we're supposed to be, we don't feed our kids wrong. We don't feed babies wrong. And they thrive mm. 90% of the time. The body starts thriving. So the body starts coming back really fast. And the inflammation goes down. People say to me, Muriel, the pain in my knee has gone down. You know, like I have another lady, um, she was she was overweight, but she had all the inflammation and all of that piece was there. Um, hasn't been on holidays, can't face the airplanes, wants to do like out of the box things like like the hydro park and jump off things with her kids and all of that. And hasn't been able to do it because of her weight. But she was um, she had a knee operation or she want, needed a knee operation. But she said to me the other day, she's 16 weeks in, so she's two and a half stone lost at this stage. Mm. And she said it doesn't feel like she's on any diet or anything. She actually feels like it's a way of life. And she's not not looking for her sugary stuff or anything like that anymore because she's sated doing what yes. she's doing. And she see, feels I, I think the, I'm making excuses for myself here now, but I think the sugary stuff is just the comfort for you feeling a bit unwell you see, or, or a bit... 
Your dopamine, serotonin, good. most of it comes from your gut, yes. right? If the gut is in a state, you're not going to get your feel-good, the happy and feel-good hormones are not going to be there, there to the extent you need them there. Yes. The brain has to get a hit from somewhere. So if you're feeding the brain sugar, the brain is going to get its hit of sugar, but it's going to continue to want its hit of sugar. And that's the feel-good factor. Mm. So, like, you have it here in the morning, say, if you're not saying Fran has it, I'm saying anyone could have mm. it, as in your chocolate muffin or your, mm. whatever it would be. Mm. And that's going to give you a hit. And yes, that'll get you down the road in the car, it'll get you into work. And you feel, God, yeah, I'm not too bad now today. Mm. But within a half an hour, like, the mood has gone down of again. Of yeah. uh, You know, the sugar cravings are back again and you need to have something else. And then you'll get the half an hour again. But that's like so the continues. common denominators then between the people that you've been helping, yeah. Muriel. What what are we talking about? That weight obviously is something that you. No, weight is actually for me. Weight is probably the bottom of the list. Is it? Even though a lot of people that come in are carrying weight, but for me, that would, I would put that to the bottom of the list when I see him. So I would say straight away, like let's park that piece now and let's work on the health piece mm. because if we get the health piece right the weight piece is going to follow anyway so like I would do the consultation most possibly do bloods if they haven't had bloods done already let's see what's in the bloods like I'm finding like non-alcoholic fatty liver so from a high carbohydrate diet high like saturated fat etc cholesterol Fran I had even had, had the, the percentages down here for cholesterol the amount of high cholesterol 70-75% of people have elevated cholesterol levels or the, the, the percentages are wrong as in their good cholesterol to their triglycerides and bad cholesterol. Um, like sugar isn't as bad. The glucose has actually dropped about 60%. But And the inflammatory side then, the bloods will pick up the inflammation or whatever. So when I get that piece and I explain to people, this is what's happening here. These are all the symptoms that you've given me. Mm. If we don't work on the health piece, you're either not going to be around or you will have chronic illness. So at that stage, most people have had parents or somebody in their world that mm. has chronic illness or they're caring for or they've died or something has happened. You've got to put it across to them to say, mm. this is going to happen in your world. That's tough love. You won't be around or you'll have chronic I, illness. I don't mind yeah. the tough love piece yeah. because for me, I can see it. I've lived it. I know it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like even say, I haven't been at the gym in the last five days and I went this morning. And like, I don't know, people have said there's a strange energy around. My energy levels were on the floor for the last week. I mean, I've gone into work every day and I've said to the girls, what is wrong with me? Mm. I literally, I'm finding it so hard to switch it on and, and, and be flying or whatever. So I haven't been in the gym. I haven't been able to get up. I went this morning to the gym and it was a job to get out of bed this mm. morning. So the mood, that side of things, right. I went into the gym and my first set of lunges with weights, I literally couldn't put my knee to the floor. The muscle pain was chronic and there was a man sitting on one of the benches beside me and he started laughing and he said to me you're under pressure today and I said it does my face does it show that much and he said yeah he can nearly hear the creaking that's how bad but by the time I got to the second set I was a bit better by the time I got to the third set I was better so if we don't look after our bodies yeah. I'm 50 I haven't been there in five or six days. Yes, I could feel there was something wrong or something going on within my body, but if I didn't pull myself back into it and I left myself go for another two or three days, how fast do we go backwards, yes. if that makes sense? If I was to leave it for a month or two months, where am I then? Well, so, you'd find it very hard. As well, people that, that leave it for yeah. a year or two years or three years, or if your body is shouting at you to say, there's something amiss here, and it keeps shouting at you, would you stay going back to the doctor or you think the next consultant is going to help or the next mm, consultant? Mm. And if they stay telling you there's nothing wrong or they can't do anything for you, there's something amiss somewhere that, like, right. this has to be fixed. And again, you would have seen, I mean, no matter what stage you're at, yeah. that you come to the notion that, look, I have to sort this, I have to do something. Age doesn't seem to matter. It then, makes it? no difference what age yeah. you are. It literally, um, of a few people... Uh, 80s, that kind of age group or whatever. Mm. And there's different issues like, so yes, 
tablets and everything are there, but like this constipation, diarrhea, and you know, taking things like um, Mulvilax, is it, and Dulcolax, and mm. different bits and pieces like that. Like, and like if you go back and you work on the gut and you work on different bits and pieces with them, they're really open to listening yes. and they're really open to learning, and they know so much already. Like, like uh, for me, my level of knowledge, I'm just tiptoeing around to, to find the pieces that they don't already know but even it doesn't matter what age you are and it doesn't matter at what stage you're at you can actually like the guy I'm talking about had fibromyalgia like he said to me like I don't feel like I've any muscles or muscle ache, aches or pains or inflammation and like this is eight weeks Fran mm. now I'm not saying it's miracle inducing mm. and for some people is every single person a success story to that level no they're not mm. for some people it's on a lower level but even if you feel 30 to 40 percent better isn't it worth doing it that you can actually take that 30, 40 percent and bring it forward? You know, it's, it's for sure. And the unexplained muscle pain, for example, talk to me about that. That's inflammation in the body. The body is breaking down, so the body becomes inflamed. And that can be anywhere in the body. And that can be anywhere, yeah. And for me, that's probably one of the first signs. I'll say to people, like, if you're getting out of the car and you've unexplained muscle pain, that you haven't mm. been to the gym or you haven't been doing something that, like, at the plough mat yesterday, say the 20,000 steps or whatever it is, mm. you haven't been doing things like that. You shouldn't have aches and pains when you're getting out of the car. Do you remember the older generation, Fran, jumped up in chairs and took yeah, things no. out of top presses and whatever? Like, if we were to get up in a chair now, you'd have to hold on to the table and, you know... Well, you'd have to help me up in the first place. Well, you'd have to, yeah. And you'd have to pull out of something, like, wouldn't yes, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't ask you to get up, but, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I do, yeah. The bodies are but, breaking down. But they down. were mobile, you see. They all, were, all but the they'd done it all the time, but they had yeah. no inflammation. Yeah. Like they, they literally, like they ate their three meals a day. Like yeah. they had their porridge at breakfast time. They had their proper wholemeal brown bread. They baked their scones. They baked their Madeira buns. Like anything that was that we would call processed was made at home. Like they had their dinner in the middle of the day, which is the perfect time to have your dinner. Mm. Your potatoes and whatever are all burnt off by the time it comes to evening time. And they had a small tea um, in the evening mm. of whatever mm. sandwiches they were going to have. And then supper, they had, as they called yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, or yeah. even they had a supper later on, which would yeah. have been, again, like a slice maybe of fruit brack or something yeah. that was made that was you know and it was tea there was no coffee there was no fizzy drinks it was tea and water literally all day long so i mean am i oversimplifying it by saying if we went back to the way we used to eat that's exactly what we yeah. have to do okay. and it's not rocket science mm. like it's all the processed foods it's everything that's happening out there and you know the biggest thing is the more unwell we feel the more we need this stuff mm. you know and i suppose this stuff is becoming cheaper and cheaper Mm. Isn't it? Literally. Did I hear, was it you or somebody here talking this morning? It was probably on the earlier show on Tip of M this morning. The lads were talking about the foodstuffs, how it's getting smaller, the bars of chocolate. Oh, yes, that was Andrew and Pat, yeah. I heard him talking about that this morning. And then they were saying, like, the nutritional content in it, like, the Mm. the ingredients aren't even as good. Like, what we're eating is, and I'm not going to say the word, but start with the S and Mm. ends with a T. That's literally what we're eating. That's what we're putting into our bodies. And if we're doing that, like, bodies aren't going to last, are they? Do do people listen? Uh, well, listen. well, some of them do, obviously, because they're yeah. coming in to see you. And yeah. they're, they're, the, the other aspect of what you do, of course, the whole business of aesthetics and so over the last yeah. uh, year. Have people embraced that or is there still that level of embarrassment? And, you know, it, That's completely different. No, it's not completely different. It all goes together. So people are tired. Right, yeah. that's there, and, and becoming more tired literally as as the months and years go on. People look tired, um, and that's one of the things people come into us massively for. And it's probably one of the ones that Charlotte gets the most 
calls on bags under their mm, eyes mm. Um, around their mouth lines around their mouth or that sad look that the face is dropping and people are saying to them I look sad yes. they don't they're not actually sad but because the face is dropped for us it's not really aesthetic it's more I suppose making people feel better because the minute they look better they feel better and then there's the medical side as in we've got a lot of corrective symmetry work mm. so um, maybe a chin that hasn't developed properly and has bothered somebody all their life, maybe a bump on somebody's nose, oh, right. maybe okay. a nose that's just at the wrong angle and they, they, you know it has really upset them or whatever. We're doing a lot of that. We're doing corrective work. Right. So it's, it's not all vanity stuff that oh, we're talking a about. A lot here, of right? our work, there's no vanity yeah. at all. Um, the um, hyperhidrosis, so that's the sweating. So we've done a lot of that for men most especially, underarms and you can do the soles, the soles of the feet and the palms of the hands. That's a huge one, like men that wear suits and shirts and mm. just are, are, are like drowned and wet by 10 o'clock in the morning. The other one then is the um, rosacea. So rosacea in the face or whatever. Yes. We've done a lot of men on that one as well. And that's 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 a huge area and, and successful. And the other one then is the thinning hair. So most especially in men, right. um, that's a worry. So again, that's the big surprise to me that a lot of men are... A lot of our work, I suppose yeah. because we're a clinic um, yes. and the doctors are there on the health and the immune side... The other side comes into it automatically as in it crosses over. So we're not out there looking for like big lips or, you mm. know, like yeah. faces that are pumped out or puffed out like a pillow or whatever. No, it's the other side. It's the refresh and yeah. It's very interesting. All right. If people want to talk to you uh, about advice or if they want to look at nutrition, they might even have some of the symptoms that we discussed yeah. today. Muriel, how can they do that? Yeah, so it's 052614881 or www.marito8020.com. All right, great to see you. Thanks very much indeed, Muriel. Uh, We'll take a break. We're back with more in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now for this week's Down Your Way programme, my great friend Eamon O'Dwyer was at uh, Holy Cross Abbey's Solemn Novena and he spoke to Father John Joe Duffy who made the trip all the way from Donegal. Eamon began by asking him how it felt to be back in Holy Cross. Holy Cross is a very special place, a very special abbey and um, I must say that I got a tremendous welcome from the people here and uh, I got a tremendous welcome from Father Celsus and um, it's, it's just a special place. You can almost tangibly feel that this has been a place of prayer for uh, centuries and for, for, for generations and uh, there's just a great peace both inside the abbey and in the grounds around about and I was just watching out this morning at the birds all flying around and how very nice it is and and just that sense of peace and that that tremendous welcome from the people. And you feel you're in a holy place? I feel I'm in a holy place. I feel I'm in a very, very, uh, a place of peace, mm-hmm. a, an oasis of peace. It's like an oasis of peace in a world where we're sometimes very busy and yeah. you come into this place and it's, it's, it's just um, a place where you can sit, you can either say a little prayer, light a candle, uh, listen to God speaking to you in your heart and in your soul and uh, it's just a, it's a very special place and they have the relic of the true cross here and, and having lost loved ones you meet people here in this church I met people here today who lost loved ones 40 years ago and that grief uh, does not go away but we learn to cope with it and I uh, learn to cope with it 
uh, on a day by day basis but the loss is still acute for people as it was 40 years ago so uh, here in this place people come here and they find a sense of of peace from the to get away from the things that are, are challenging them for that little moment even as, as a great uh, place to come to for healing You have been challenged very much in the part of the country that you come from in Kushla uh, in, uh, in Donegal, it has been a torrential time for you guys I was just uh, walking with Father Celsus in the grounds this morning and at the fifth station of the cross you see Pope John Paul II standing in under uh, the cross as well and carrying the cross and people in in, in Chrysler, uh, uh are um, carrying their own crosses at this stage, the cross of the loss of a loved one uh, through the tragedy that took place uh, which is um, t- um, uh, ten people, who ten beautiful people, lost their lives, and uh, families are carrying their grief, and it's a heavy grief. And and um, I, um, the community is carrying a, a grief, and it's a it's a heavy grief, and it's a heavy a heavy grief for all who, who uh, have lost a loved one in that tragedy. How do you talk to a community? How do you address a community after such a tragedy? You'd be one with that community, um, no more than what happened in the week of the tragedy in Chrysler. Uh, People came together, uh, helped each other, helped each other. Those who first came uh, on the scene went into the building without uh, giving any consideration for themselves into a building that was collapsing and and, uh, electric wires still alive and they went in there to rescue people and to bring people out so the people uh, were the living church there and they went in and and, and helped the people who arrived first then the emergency services and then we gathered for prayer just as the explosion took place and Christ's adoration was uh, taking place in the church and people were praying uh, to God praying uh, to to Jesus Christ as people were on their way to Jesus Christ and then uh, that uh, next morning we had mass at 10 p.m and then that evening and for the rest of the evenings of the week we had the rosary in the church so the church became a very much the bedrock and uh, while words are very important and it's very important to use words wisely in a tragedy uh, what was important for people at that moment uh, in the very uh, what you say in, at the center of that tragedy uh, was uh, to be there for one another and to, to hook into one another and that that's what I did uh, together with the rest of the community and um, when I used words the words I used, I used them carefully and that was uh, to call uh, the people of the county and the country to pray, call upon them to pray for us and the people of the county and the country did that in great abundance. I received cards and messages and mass cards and messages of support here from Tipperary and indeed uh, I must say that uh, uh, we, we got we got great support from all across the country and 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 in different parts of the world. And uh, it's, it's sometimes you use the the few words you have very carefully, but words sort of come to you and. Um, 
and and that's through the Holy Spirit. And um, the uh, most important thing is to be there. I think God gave us two ears and one mouth, and it's important uh, for us to realize that and to be a, a listening presence and uh, to be present uh, on the night of the tragedy in Chrysler. Uh, I remained present, as did uh, so many others, and there were hundreds and hundreds of people present. And I suppose the biggest challenge was uh, for people, they would have wanted to have done more and you just uh, could do what you could do and uh, you had to um, you had to be there to realise how important presence is. Presence is so important. What a lovely piece there. And that's uh, Father John Joe Duffy speaking to our own Eamon O'Dwyer for this week's uh, Down Your Way programme. And you can hear that programme in its entirety from the Solemn Novena in Holy Cross on this coming Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. Well, today is the, the final day of the National Ploughing Championships uh, twenty. 23. We're going to Rathneskina to Brian uh, Delaney uh, from Tumivara. Good morning to you, Brian. Good morning, friend. Uh, good to talk to you today, and thank you for taking our call, Brian. Uh, you've uh, been to many uh, ploughing championships. How does it sort of uh, rate uh, this year round? Yes, I suppose the, the big thing, friend, has been the weather. I suppose Tuesday was a washout and car park facilities and underfoot were poor enough, but I suppose today is a, a lot better dried up a nice bit overnight and into today and crowds are well back I'd say today is the quietest of the three days but um, yeah, yeah there the, the seems to be a few less exhibitors about as well but it's a lot quieter Yeah and you know in terms of the weather in the past would you have looked at the weather um, and that would inform you as to whether or not you should go because I'm wondering about this notion now that you have to pay for your tickets ahead of time and the, and the, the like Brian Yeah Weather would be an influence, but I, I think it's I think it's maybe to do with crowd control paying for tickets beforehand. But I, I think it's a little bit unfair that the elderly people and maybe people that aren't technology savvy have to pay for tickets in advance, and mm. then they're subject to going on a certain day because the ticket ticket specifies that. I think it's a little bit unfair. You should be allowed to go whatever day, and depending on the weather, if you have a ticket, you should be allowed to enter on any day any day possible, you know? Yeah, I spoke to uh, Anne-Marie McHugh about this uh, some time ago, and she was talking about, as you mentioned yourself there, health and safety, um, determining how, how they're they're doing this and uh, the like. But uh, why, why do you go, by the way, Brian? I mean, is it a case, is it just, it's a social outlet, or do you go to look at machinery, or is the ploughing important to you, for example? Yeah, the more the day out, I suppose, Brian, and yeah, I'm farming myself, and, and I suppose you like to see what's new technology-wise and what's new machinery-wise, and I like to see the livestock end of it as well. So it's mostly the day out, I suppose. But, yeah. Uh, I yeah, and I, I'm always uh, interested to see the, the number of people, including myself, that would go along to it and never go near the ploughing. Uh, Brian, is the yeah, no, to be honest with you. Unless I was walking in or out past it, I it wouldn't be something <laughs> I'd be looking for. I'd be more into the yeah. into the machinery end of it or the livestock end of it, and, and that you know, so the plowing itself. If I've seen it once in the last in twelve years, it would be as much fun. Right. Uh, what about the mood among farmers, Brian? Uh, because you know, a lot of trials and tribulations for farmers out there at the moment. What, what's the mood like among farmers? It's an awful mix of moves, uh, Fran. I suppose this week, with the weather alone, I suppose there's less farmers around. I suppose if you took the amount of students and kids out of it, I'd say the crowds we have. Wow. 
Um, Dairy farmers in particular, there's an awful lot of pressure on them at the moment. Um, you have nitrates, derogation pressure. Yeah. You have delay, delayed, and pay, delayed payments, cow band and milk price, um, weather. You know, so it's all it's all influencing numerous and in livestock farmers as well. Like there's a lot of uncertainty going into the autumn with beef and lamb price as well. So, so there's a lot of pressure on farmers, and there's an awful lot less farmers around this year. As I said, if you took the kids and students out of it, I think the crowds would be very, very, very small. Isn't that very interesting indeed? And I know farming rights, as far back as I can remember, there have been issues with agriculture. But was there ever the kind of uncertainty that there appears to be there now, Brian? Yeah, I suppose I'm what you consider a young farmer. And, and I think it's really in the last year or two that these challenges are being more publicised for farmers. Like there's an awful lot of pressure and an awful lot of unfair treatment put back on, on top of farmers in terms of water quality and reducing numbers. I think a lot of it is, is unfair. I think those farmers seem to be the scapegoat and trying to like we should be trying to encourage young farmers to get into agriculture. And with the publicity and media that poor media that our, our farmers are getting, I think mm. we're I think we're turning young farmers away from the land. Like there is there is a lot easier careers out there. Farming is isn't an easy career. It's a it's a it's a lovely career and very healthy career when everything is going well, but when all these pressures have been put back on farmers because of climate change and other pressures, it's it's I think it's actually turning young farmers away from the land. Yeah, and a lot of finger pointing as well. I saw a bit of a row there yesterday between Holly Carnes of the Sock Dems um, having a, a bit of a battle with Simon Coveney, for example, and saying, yeah. you know, I mean, he said she was finger pointing at farmers and she was saying that everybody has to get real about the reality of climate change and the like. But when you see skirmishes like that in the door, what, what does that say to you, really, Brian? Well, I think what it says to a young farmer is that there's no two politicians or TDs singing off the same she- hymn sheet. They're pointing the finger at each other, yeah. pointing the blame at each other. But I think if they studied the science and seen what the good work farmers are doing around the country to help towards climate change, like mm. Mm. farmers using clover, farmers using less slurry spreading, you know, things like that are, are all helping climate change and helping farmers. It's very easy to paint a, paint, a, paint a finger back at the farmers like with the scapegoat, as I said. But um, the science is, science is proven otherwise. If you look at the Timalee catchment area, their water quality has improved yes. threefold in the last number of years. So, and that's a, a very intense dairy area. So, yeah, and there are good news stories, Brian, but we probably don't hear enough uh, of them, I, I suppose. In, in as much as you can, Brian, put all of that to the back of your head and enjoy enjoy uh, the Ploughing Championships anyway. And really good to talk to you today, Brian. Thanks very much, Brian. Thank you, and thank you for coming thank on you. with us. Uh, that's Brian Delaney there, farmer from uh, Tumivara, enjoying the final day of uh, the National Ploughing Championships. All right, we will continue to talk farming after these... Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. I'll be joined now by Deputy Editor at the Farmers Journal, Katrina Morrissey. Good morning to you, Katrina. 
Good morning, friend. Good to talk to you today. We are just speaking to uh, Brian, who was in Rathaniska as we, we speak. You you were there on Tuesday, I think, Katrina? I was there on Tuesday. I was there for maximum muck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I gather things have improved a little bit since then, but it was a wet day on Tuesday. Um, still a fine crowd, I think, for the opening day, although I think overall numbers might be a little bit back. Probably weather-wise, I suppose. Of course, that yeah. would be the most political day you were there, too. Uh, the minister was there, for sure. Uh, the president was there, as well, who made headlines, uh, too. Uh, did you did you get to meet uh, Charlie McConnell? Yeah, I met Minister McConnell on Tuesday. Um, I was uh, there, actually, when a farmer from West Cork tackled him about the nitrate derogation, yeah. um, just explaining the detail of how um, it was going to affect him on his farm, and then another Wexford man standing beside him as well. Uh, a 50 cow farmer I think he said in Wexford and he just he told me he just will not be able to secure any extra land so he will be looking at cutting a number of his cows and as he pointed out he doesn't have a lot of cows so he was really um, pretty upset and they were making their point very uh, very forcibly to the minister not as forcibly now as we've seen in the last 24 yes, hours sure, yeah. um, but you know <laughs> in a much more polite way while making their point yeah but still still very cross which brings me to one of the stories in the journal there's some confusion reigning uh, over which farms will face that derogation cut as well Katrina yeah that's right so we um, have spoken already I think Fran about this infamous red map yes um, which was produced by the Environmental Protection Agency and it shows the areas of the country that failed the water quality criteria required to retain the derogation. Um, so that is a map of Ireland. There are huge swathes of red marked in that and some areas left in white. It's not a particularly high resolution map. So, for example, I couldn't tell you whether um, our family farm is in, sorry, I can tell you that most of Tipperary is in the red area. Mm. But for areas where there is um, that crossover between the red and white, it's very unclear. It's certainly not down to farm level at all. Um, so there is some suggestion that obviously that needs refinement so that individual landowners will know what uh, zone they're in. And there's a suggestion that further water quality criteria may be assessed as well. And that might see more white areas turning into red areas which would then mean that they would be subject to the lower nitrate limit as well. Um, obviously, all of that has uh, financial implications for the farmers involved. So they're very anxious to find out, not just, uh, I suppose, financial implications, but actual farm management decisions. Um, because, you know, we're kind of nearly, we're not even uh, three months from the 1st of January, and they're going to need to know so that they can either um, cut back in some cow numbers secure more land to dilute their stocking rate or organise to export more slurry from their farm. So it's a very tight deadline for a business like farming which in which you know decisions are made a long way in advance. There are cows in calf now um, that will calve down the spring. They're the milking cows of 2023 and farmers don't know whether they'll be able to keep them or not. You also, you've come up with a percentage as well of um, how profits will be hit uh, with derogation. Yeah, that's right. So this was analysis carried out by um, IFAC, which is uh, the um, the accountancy organisation of a branch in care. And um, they have looked at what will be the impact so to the higher end of the derogation farmers. So we think there's about 3,000 of those farmers. What they've done is they've looked at uh, with a base milk price of around 34 cents a litre, what will that do to that farm's profits? And they've found that it's 
the derogation move will affect those farms that would cut their profits by almost 40%. Wow. Which is a big, big difference. No yeah. wonder they're so angry, Katrina. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And just yeah. for anybody who may think that, oh, look at dairy, we're making record profits last year. That analysis is not based on last year's milk price, which was exceptional. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's based on a very regular base price of 34 cents a litre. So, you know, there's, there's very few businesses, I think, that would be able to weather a 40% cut in their um, in their profit without having been sat back down. You know, it's, it's really, um, it's a big deal for the farmers that are affected. And we've also, I know, Fran, spoken about in areas like South Tipperary, you know, the fallout is not just for the farmers who are directly affected, but everybody surrounding them then as well, because they are going to, in most cases, try and secure more land um, in order to keep their businesses going and in order to not lose that 40% of their profit, which then increases the competition for land in the area. It increases the price of uh, land rental, land leases and land sales. And, and there's it, no it, shortage of buyers for land around Tipperary. Of course. Is that also playing into your other story, Katrina, that half of tillage farmers to lose rented land in next yes. year as well? Is that playing into that? That's absolutely the main driver. Um, so we surveyed tillage farmers. Again, we did this about three months ago. Um, and that time they were fearful of losing land. They're even more fearful now. So half of the farmers that we surveyed said that they expect to lose some of their rented land in 2024. Uh, 40% of them have already lost land this year, and three-quarters of those who did lose land already have lost it to dairy farmers. So you have farmers going out head-to-head, and it is because of the higher milk price last year in particular, it is generally the dairy farmer who has more profitability to be able to go higher on a a land price. that is all going to have an effect, Fran, because uh, tillage area is supposed to increase under the Climate Action Plan. Um, mm. You know, mm. tillage is a, yes. is a kind of a low-carbon farming method. Um, and there's a lot of, I suppose, um, fallout from yes. this derogation decision. Needless to say, it is coming on the back of water quality, and water quality issues absolutely have to be addressed and are being addressed by farmers. The fallout from this very, uh, I suppose, quick run into reduction in the short in the derogation is really causing an awful lot of problems. On a happier note, weanling uh, prices have reached a new high this week, Katrina. Yeah, that's right. Some good news on the beef front, which is great. Mm. Um, so we have Farmers Journal market data, so that draws information from marts all over the country, and the analysis of that shows that bull prices are up about €140 Euro a head compared to last year. So that's comparing September with September on the really top quality bulls. They're making €140 Euro per head more. Um, the driver for that, I suppose, is there's been some... Uh, Exporters have secured good, large contracts to supply weanlands out to countries like Libya, uh, Algeria, Syria and Turkey. They are going and buying weanlings. Then I suppose finishers are looking at that trade and saying, OK, uh, you know, that's, that's good for the trade in general. I'm going to spend a little bit more. Um, and generally, they're just, you know, it's a good trade now compared to last year. People, particularly I suppose around Tipperary as well, would be disappointed to, to read that Beat Ireland's calling time on any revival of the sugar industry in this country now, Katrina. Yeah, it's an awful shame. And yeah. I was at some of those very big um, beat meetings when the when the industry was being shut down. It was, you know, that came to pass under the Donegal Agricultural Minister, Mary Coughlin. Yeah. 
Um, it was a huge loss to the country. It was a huge loss to farm management systems. It was a you know good profitable crop in its own right, and then it added a lot to the tillage rotation. Um, Beach Ireland set up a number of years ago by farmers who felt that Ireland could get back into um, producing sugar beet, and actually did um, canvas farmers and got good support at the time. Some farmers invested. Um, I think the call was for about a thousand euro per farmer, and lots of farmer wrote checks. For that in the hope that they would be able to build their own sugar processing uh, facility. But sadly, Pat Cleary, who's the Beat Ireland director, called into the Farmers Journal stand there on Tuesday um, and, and told our tillage editor, Siobhan Walsh, that um, they have unfortunately given up on that now and they're going to sell the property where they had envisaged that sugar processing factory. Well, a lot of people, as I say, will be very disappointed at that. Before I let you go, Katrina, can I just ask you about the President's uh, address at the Ploughing Championships? Because it ruffled uh, quite a few people, particularly what he had to say about our diet going forward and uh, the part that plays in climate change. Were, were people very angry about uh, about his comments? Um, I think people are still digesting his comments, to be honest, pardon the pun. Um, he, uh, it's not an unknown concept. I suppose farmers have heard it before that we should be all moving to a more plant-based diet. Farmers will produce whatever whatever people want to eat from. At the minute, we have a growing population um, globally. There's going to be a growing demand. There is and will continue to be for the foreseeable future a strong demand for protein and for, for all types of meat. Um, but nonetheless, the climate impact of what we're eating has to be looked at. Uh, Irish production of food in comparison to huge swathes of the country, is some, or sorry, of the world, is some of the most uh, climate efficient. It is one of the most climate efficient places mm. to produce uh, meat, beef and, and crops. You know, we have this amazing climate in Ireland where we can grow crops, including grass, including trees. We're some, you know, we really have an amazing climate for growing all types of crops, which then gives us the ability to, to produce um, animals and livestock as well. We're very good at it. Um, personally, look, I think a balanced diet is what everybody needs anyway. Mm. If you're mm. excessively going over overboard on, on any one factor of your diet, you're going to be in trouble. Of course, um, the, the IFA in particular taking exception to, to his comments, uh, because I suppose they see it as another nail in the coffin to someone. Yeah, someone, yeah. and and I think, you know, farmers as individuals, you know, there they're sometimes seems to be a little bit of a pile-on at the minute. Yeah. You know, that farmers are uh, uh, just getting it from all sides, you know, negativity on all fronts, and they're bound to react to that. Um, but at the end of the day, farmers will be guided by consumers, and whatever consumers buy is what they will produce. That's what they've always done. Katrina, always great to talk to you, and thanks very much indeed. Thank you. Good morning to you. That's uh, Katrina Morrissey there, who's deputy editor at the Farmer's Journal, and, of course, the journal is on your shelves right now. Listen around to say, Fran, I was at the Ploughing Championships uh, yesterday, a great day, one shower, uh, other than that, a lovely day, ground a bit messy, so what? Put on the wellies. You can buy tickets any day at the gate, but they are five euro dearer at uh, the gates. I'm going for over 20 years, but I've never actually seen the ploughing. <laughs> Isn't that absolutely incredible? Absolutely incredible. Anyway, there you go. That's it uh, from me. Emma produced. Ali looks after her content. Stephen is on the way with the time tunnel. Excuse me. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Look after yourselves, won't you? Bye-bye. 
Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. 